Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, come one, come all. Prepare to be extremely underwhelmed by a mediocre podcast from a straight white guy, because there aren't enough of those. What's up, y'all? This is Juice from the Funny With Myself podcast. And this is the Funny With Myself podcast, a podcast for the above-average MMA fan hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. You know, before we start, I have to give a little disclaimer, and that is um, my cat, Goose, which uh, I did talk about last episode, or maybe two episodes ago. You know who I'm talking about. Um, He's on my lap right now, and I can't get rid of him, and I don't want to. So you may hear some meowing if he disagrees with me. I'm sure he will. Um, Maybe just purring. Might even be nothing. Maybe I didn't even need to bring it up, but you know what? I just wanted to be honest. Uh, We got a lot to talk about, actually. I said that I would do... um, I would be talking about the stories to emerge from each fight card, and... um, in large part, the stories from this one were just violence, man. Like, this is just a great card with a lot of fun fights. Um, also, uh, somewhat of a story was um, people who we thought were washed up turning back the clock. You love to see it. I'm going to go over that. I'm Also, there's a lot of news to cover. I really uh, haven't done any sort of, like, talked about the news for a while because I feel like there hasn't been any other than fucking random-ass matchups. Um, but there's a lot of news, a lot of news broke, um, some suspensions, some releases, things like that. We have a, an amazing forum and then a, a, a big ass pay-per-view to preview for next week. So I'm going to dive right in. First thing I want to talk about is Gavin Tucker, man. Uh, I said last week, I love this guy. And I think it's just cause he, like I said, he was a musician. He wears his heart on his sleeve he also says some wild shit sometimes in interviews, like not really wild where it's like, like you think he might get canceled or whatever. Just like, like you can tell he's a little bit crazy. Like he's a little bit unhinged. You know what I mean? Uh, and I love that to be honest with you. Um, and his fight with Justin James, man, this was an amazing fight. Justin James, I forgot, is that guy who, um, fucking beat the brakes off Frank Camacho on, on short notice. He just like came in guns a blazing, knocked Frank Camacho the fuck out. So as soon as as soon as they played that package, I was like, oh my god, I'm getting so hyped. And I forgot that his name was Guitar Hero and that Gavin's is the governor. And so I talked about Gavin being like a musician. I was like, is Gavin's nickname Guitar Hero? When they were like, you know, announcing the shit like that. And I was like, oh, now I remember. Because I remember them um, when they announced Justin James against Frank Camacho. I was like, motherfucker's nickname is Guitar Hero? That's like rivaling Coconut Bombs. <laughs> You know, uh, but by the way, not happy that Coconut Bob's lost. Like, y'all think I hate him. I, th- I think I just, I, I hate on the nickname because it's not a name of a person. It's a name of a technique. Um, but, you know, like if Hendo was called the H-bomb, like if it was like, Dan, H-bomb, Henderson, I'd be like, well, that's not really it. You know, it is what it is. But anyway, great, great fight. Gavin was piecing him up and he got that beautiful rear naked choke at the end. And I gotta say, Gavin Tucker becoming an exciting prospect in the um, in the featherweight division. Really love to see it. Um, he first came on my radar when he debuted against Sam Cecilia and had that incredible performance, went to decision. But then he fought Rick Glenn uh, later that year. This is in 2017, 
And I don't know if you guys remember this. He got beat the fuck up. It was so nasty. The The ref was heavily criticizing. It was like a Yamasaki situation. His face, he had like several fractures in his face. Um, people were really worried about the like longevity of his career. He took basically two years off. Um, came back last year against Sung Woo Choi. Choked him the fuck out. And then just now choked Justin James the fuck out. Um, really, the only thing stopping this guy from being a star, in my opinion, other than a you know little push from the UFC, which one will help the other, uh, activity. You know, once he gets more active, the UFC will push him. Is what I was trying to say. Um, and and part of that is is the pandemic. I mean, and obviously he had to take a, a long layoff for his brain, rightly so, and to heal up from those injuries. But once he heals up, oh, I really would love to see this guy against. Uh, not saying he's like ready for this right now or that it makes sense ranking wise, but like him versus Dan Ige is a great fight. Even maybe Barboza, um, although that could fucking end badly. Um, you know, just uh, just one of those things where I really want to see what this guy does next. Uh, I think I made the case recently. Not really made a case, but I've been talking about how much I hate the rankings lately and um, how much they don't use them correctly and then when they do they're just using it to their advantage it's like you can't you can't make fights that don't make sense for the rankings and then make a fight that doesn't really make sense other than rankings and say well you just, you know, it's the rankings it's like for fuck's sake like i, I don't know it just it, it blows my mind let's get this guy uh a ranked uh, opponent and i want to talk about andrew sanchez man uh first of all mullets doing work in 2020 i mean like i wouldn't first of all i would never have predicted the mullet to make a comeback as a hairstyle at all like it seemed like that was like a thing of the past and not only that that we would love it like i see so many people being like love the mullet and i'm, I'm loving it too and i i don't know why i really don't um and i don't know if it's like i feel like sometimes as mma fans we're so um in our bubble that we don't necessarily know what's trending outside of it um which i try and um actively you know go against but um it seems it seems like the mullet's making a comeback i gotta say and uh speaking of making comebacks although it wasn't really a comeback because he was winning pretty much every second of that fight but andrew sanchez knocking wellington Terman fucking silly dude like that was a clean ass knockout haven't seen uh, one like that in a while from from andrew sanchez and uh I loved his post-fight interview. First of all, he reminded me of sort of like a male Hannah Cyphers because sometimes he was just sort of like babbling a little bit, but also like it seemed really awkward. And uh, that just endeared me toward him, toward him a lot. I got to love it. And uh, him saying, I don't want to just be a boring wrestler anymore. I couldn't tell if that was like sort of a Curtis Blades like mad at the fans for saying that. Being like, oh, I think I'm just a wrestler. Or if he was like, Oh, that's not what I want to do. So I hope he doesn't like get too much into his head about what the fans think because sometimes fans are fucking fickle, first of all. Like, even if you fix those problems, like or not problems, but in their eyes problems of like just being a boring wrestler and you learn to use your hands more, he's, he's going to get fucking knocked out probably. Like, it's just it's going to happen, and then they'll turn on him so quickly. So um, I think he has to find that balance of being an exciting fighter and using what got him to the dance. Cause the guy's a great wrestler. Um, 
But the other problem is, you know, you run to someone who has like rock solid takedown defense, then it is a boring fight and you're going to get gassed and then they're going to fucking piece you up. So, um, hope, hope he finds that balance. He looked good. It wasn't just like a out of nowhere knockout. Like he set it up like the, the, the striking was great. So love to see that from Andrew Sanchez. And I got it. Like, I love his nickname in like a weird way. Like the Dirte Sanchez, like First of all, it's a Joe Dirt reference, and the mullet now makes like super sense. He didn't always have that, but he did always have the nickname, um, I think. Um, <laughs> but the tail, dear Tay Sanchez, so weird, but I love it. And this is why, like, I love weird shit. Gotta love it. Gotta love Joaquin Buckley coming in on eight days' notice um, to fight Kevin Holland, who was scheduled for last week, preparing for Trevor Giles. Trevor Giles fainted. We know the story. And Joaquin Buckley fought, I believe, in LFA last weekend. And they were like, hey, man, uh, just come just come uh, fight Kevin Holland. And I, I tweeted this out, and I wanted to make sure the, the story is um, not getting lost. Um, the narrative, rather. It's not getting twisted. Um, like, imagine taking your, 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 your train your whole career your whole martial arts journey to get to the UFC. And you finally get the call. But it's on eight days notice and you're fighting Kevin Holland. Like just I'm just like imagine how scary that is. But then and then you do well. I mean like if that had gone to a decision, I think uh Kevin Holland would still have won. It might have been twenty nine twenty eight, I'm not sure. Um because I really hate the ten point must system. But um like Joaquin I'm not Joaquin, Joaquin um Joaquin Buckley was was doing well. Um, just Kevin Holland was doing better. And I got to say, Kevin Holland should always fight with no crowd. And that's not that I don't want him to get to the next level, but the Kevin Holland, where he talks to his opponents all the time, I want to hear that all the time, every single fight. If not, like if you're going to, we're going to bring crowds back. I mean, obviously eventually they are, but when they do, um, figure out a way to, to mic him safely. Like we need to hear that. I don't care if you put like a soundproof fucking uh, like bubble to where you can only hear them. Figure it out. Like technology exists. Get a mic on Kevin Holland. We need it. The other big thing for me, man, was Benil Dariush. Uh, I thought he looked sensational. And I think he's kind of like, like Benil Dariush in some ways feels like how a lot of people view Darren Till. Not that he got to push too fast. Um, their careers are not in any way similar, but a lot of people say this, and I think I, I kind of agree. They said, like, you know, I've watched all of Darren Till's fights in the UFC, and I still can't tell how good he is. And I think that same thing could be said about Benil Dariush. Um, he first came onto my radar when he fought Michael Chiesa. Michael Chiesa choked him out, and I, I and I, I think he was a, already a black belt at that time, um, Dariush. That is, and I didn't view it as like discrediting his black belt because there there is some of that, especially when you know when when you're at the UFC, um, and a coach wants to, you know, get more students, things like that. They'll they'll award black belts to to UFC fighters, uh, or just kind of push them along quickly and not necessarily uh, by actual growth and earning those belts. Uh, but like I said, not saying that about Dariush. Um, I just I just viewed it as like Kiesa being like good. It's like wow, he's made a black belt. Good for you. Uh, and then I watched him live um, knock James Vick the fuck out. And and now 
it seems like 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 everybody's knocking James Vick out. Like what like what is that? Um, but that was um, that was James Vick's first loss in the UFC, and uh, it was it was interesting because he got poked in the eye, I believe. And then I was not expecting him to, like, come back from that. I was like, oh, shit, James Vick's going to win. Boom, knocks him out. Especially, like, James Vick being tall as fuck. It looked like, especially for me in, like, the cheap seats, it looked like Benil was, like, a superhero. Not really, but, like, he, he came in with, like, a leaping overhand and just, like, boom, shut the fucking lights out. And so I was like, wow, this guy's one to watch. And it feels like he's only now getting the credit do for that he's on a five fight win streak now uh with this um after james vick he fought rashid magomedov got decision lost to edson barboza and i believe i've mentioned this before um he kind of fell in love a little bit with his striking he was ripping some leg kicks he was trying to get inside rushed in with a takedown and edson timed a beautiful flying knee so at that time i was like was he trying to convince himself that he could strike with Edson? I really don't know. Um, had a draw with Evan Dunham. That was a hell of a fight. Lost to uh, Alexander Hernandez. That was Alexander Hernandez's debut. And a lot of people gave him shit, him being Alexander, that is, for a quote-unquote fake glove touch and, like, rushing in. Um, he claims that it was not a fake glove touch. He was measuring distance, although I haven't seen him do that since. Now, it could be because of the backlash he he received. But it, uh, the way he took it at the time, he was like, fuck y'all thinking it was a fake glove touch. I'm going to do me. He was, like, seemingly not bothered by it. And But since then, like, Darius has been on a tear. You know, submitting people. Like, he, the that five-fight win streak I mentioned, uh, only one of them was a decision. The last four, including this last one, have been... Uh, Finishes. Submitted Drew Dober. Submitted Frank Camacho. Knocked Dracar close to fuck out. Thank you, God. Do not like Dracar close. But I love Scott Holtzman, too. And this is the thing, as well. He's the first guy to finish Scott Holtzman. Uh, Scott, I said, um, big for 155. Just, uh, as a matter of fact, um, Darius missed weight, unfortunately. I thought it was Scott Holtzman that missed weight. Um, so this is, a, this is a catch weight, you know, on the books. But, you know, because he missed weight. But a hell of a performance, man. Hell of a performance. Knocked about with that spinning back fist on record. Although some some of them, some people are going to spinning elbow. I believe there's a question in the forum. Someone called it a spinning forearm. But you love to see it. I really uh, I really hope that um, that Benil is going to be someone to watch. I mean he is, but I mean I think he, I hope he gets due because he's had. Uh, Let's see, 24 fights. I'm trying to count the draws and everything properly. I mean, they say it's not the not the year, but it's the miles. Not the age, but the miles, rather. He's 31, but, uh, you know, I'm 30. He definitely looks older than me. Just saying. So the miles is what I'm trying to get at, but I hope I hope he's not done. Speaking of the age and the miles, like holy shit, Chris Weidman. Let's talk about Chris Weidman. I was not counting him out from jump. Uh, I was a bit worried, but maybe it's it's also because I've gotten a little desensitized to to Chris Weidman losing. So 
and by the way, this is coming from a Weidman fan. Not like a huge fan, but um, I think, like, I, he was champ when I started watching UFC, the UFC and MMA in general. And um, I really wanted him to beat the fuck out of Luke Rockhold. I really did. I hate Luke Rockhold so much. Like, from that, um, like, I never liked Luke Rockhold. It wasn't like, like, some people I turn on. Like, I've turned on Brian Ortega. I used to be a huge fan. Turned on him. You know, whatever. Yeah, you're Rodriguez. Same thing. Turned on him. Luke Rockhold, as soon as I saw him, hated him immediately. And so um, really wanted Chris Wyman to beat him, had a terrible performance. And then it's just been a rocky-ass road. And people are calling for him to retire. I don't necessarily know if that's the move. Because, um, look, he lost to Chris Wyman, And then he had the fight with Yoel Romero. And... He was winning that fight until the flying knee. I will, I will die on that hill. Um, there's a lot of you all fans that like to remember that differently. I think it's a bit of revisionist history, but in my opinion, he was he was winning until then. Has the fight with Gegard Mousasi, which that was just like a weird ass fight, because Gegard uh, was winning, sort of. Chris was taking him down early and having success. Gegard was beating him the fuck up, though, and, and, and Chris tried to take advantage of the down fighter rule, and Gegard lifted him up to knee him in the, in the head. I still don't know how I feel about that, because it seemed like Chris, they asked, they were trying to figure out whether or not he could continue, and I think at the time they thought it was a, an illegal blow, until they watched the tape and determined it was legal. But they, they were trying to figure out if he could continue, asked him what date it was, it was April 8th, um, he said February, and then when when they determined it was legal, he was like, "Oh, it's April." I was like, "Come on, Chris, dude! Like, don't do that! Like, don't do that!" Um, submits Kelvin Gaslam, and 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 it's so like, I, I hate that he'll never get credit for that because at the time, Kelvin was just a welterweight. They were like, "Oh, he's just a welterweight." Um, I think that was Kelvin's first loss at middleweight. He had uh, ragged all the fuck out of Tim Kennedy. Uh, I think he also had knocked out Vitor at that point. I'm not sure if that was after the Gaslam fight, but um, he was looking good. And then uh, Wyman submits him, like chucks the fuck out of him. Everyone's like, Wyman's back. Yeah. And that's the, that, I think that's the whole, like, he's still my boy. I think that was from the Kelvin fight because I was in Long Island. Um, had a war with Jacare. Or, sorry, Jacare. Um, Ronaldo Souza, let's say. Um, had a war with Jacare. And um, got caught at the end. Terribly. Obviously lost to Dominic Reyes. That was his um, one venture to 205. I just think like the story of, of Weidman is is not being told properly. Like here's a guy who's a former champion, you know, knocked out who many view as the greatest of all time in Anderson Silva. And then he just had a weird championship run where he was beating up like old Brazilians until he ran into uh a surfer model guy. But the Omar Yakhmedov fight was great. And I'm not great. Like if, if someone was like, you know, what's high level MMA or like, what is a great middleweight fight? I would not show them this fight, but I knew Omar Yakhmedov was tough as hell. Great wrestler with heavy hands. And I was like, this could be a problem because Weidman's best attribute is his wrestling. But sometimes he falls in love with his striking. And um, 
it seems like Omari could handle that. And like I, I was thinking back to the Omari Akhmedov versus uh, Marvin Vittori fight, and I was like, man, if he gets so, like drawn into that kind of a dog fight, it's it's not going to be a a long night for him. It's going to be a very quick night, and he's going to be on the receiving end of a bad knockout again. But he did what he had to do to win. And a lot of people are saying like, oh, Weidman's so slow. And there's there's even um, so there's even a question in the forum. I believe someone is asking him about uh, if he should return to middleweight. This was middleweight, because uh-huh. if there was a he looked like a slow light heavyweight, which to be fair, um, there are plenty quicker middleweights than Chris Weidman, especially now. But I think he was trying to wear on Omari. I think he was trying to, you know, put some lactic acid in those muscles. And uh, he got the win. Now, I'm not saying Weidman's back. But I'm just saying, view those losses differently. Um, except the Musashi loss. You can view that as, like, what the fuck. You know, I still don't know what to think, but I'm still like, hey, Weidman, it's April. You knew that. Come on. You know, um, and I guess that's all I want to say on Chris Weidman for now, because we do have a lot, uh, a lot of questions on him in the forum. Um, and I, I would be remiss... If I did not mention Derek Lewis, we talk about, uh, you know, certain fighters MMA, like, you know, motivated BJ Penn, C-Level Kane, Cabo Nate, whatever the fuck. Um, not, no one talks about that, but this one random YouTube video I saw like 10 years ago. I'm not 10 years ago, obviously. Uh, In Shape Derek Lewis is one of those, like, can you talk about how Derek Lewis being like svelte, he's throwing switch kicks, he's throwing flying knees, like... If you think heavyweight is boring, and I tend to agree with you most of the time, like, non-elite heavyweight is boring. They fucking gas, like, whatever. This was not, like, you talk about, like, grappling. Like, heavyweight does not often have a, a ton of uh, elite grapplers. Alexei Olenek is one of them. And he had Derek Lewis in a scarfold, which he's, te- like, look at his record. He's He's gotten that submission many a times. And either he got that or, or he got it from that head and arm position, like what got an arm triangle. Like he's very good in that position. Um, as a matter of fact, when Travis Brown fought Alexi Olenek, he brought in Josh Barnett specifically because Barnett, you know, even in like judicial competition and stuff, like he submitted Dean Lister with a scarf hold. Like Olenek is good as fuck. And Derek Lewis was not about to tap. Um, he was not about, I mean, he, he said in the, uh, in the post press conference, he heard different things and they were telling him the time. And he was like, Jesus Christ, like, like, what, what is it? 35? Like, it felt like a minute has gone by. And then he heard the clacker and he was like, okay, bet. Let me just like 10 seconds. I got this. And then coming out the gate, I want to say, I thought, uh, Olenek was, was going to win after that first round because he had those positions. And then they were talking about on the broadcast, how he was laying down and had his feet elevated. I was like, that is some crafty veteran shit, dude. That is some crafty shit. I was like, he is going to come out and, and he won't be burnt out. Um, but Derek Lewis was just like, I think back to what when DC fought Derek Lewis. And I'm not talking about the actual fight. I'm talking about what DC said before the fight and how he was not looking past him and giving him respect. Um, this is what, one of the reasons I love DC, which we'll, we'll talk about in, in the, you know, the, last segment of the show he said that he did you know research on Derek Lewis and he he doesn't just like look at their fights he looks at who they are as a person he, he 
talked about how Derek Lewis has been through a lot. Derek Lewis is not supposed to be here. Derek Lewis was in jail, like all these things. Um, and he said, Derek Lewis is a guy that doesn't quit. And so he knew, he talked about like people were, were saying like, how are we going to beat Derek Lewis? And he's like, well, sometimes when guys are on top of him, he bench presses him and he just like bench presses him off, like explodes. And if he does that with me, I'm going to take his arm home. Um, and then like, he was saying that in all the interviews. And then after the fight, when he got him in the choke, um, uh, someone had asked about that and he said, yeah, um, I knew that Derek Lewis would not tap to uh, a joint lock. He would rather break his arm than lose. Uh, so my, or I think is one of his, he said one of his coaches had said like only chokes, just chokes, you know, if you're going to submit him. And uh, wow. So that, I was thinking about that when he was in the scarfold. I was like, is he, like Derek Lewis is not going to tap, but is he going to go to sleep? Like a scarfold doesn't necessarily put you out. He said he was having a little trouble breathing, but it, it's more about a compression on the back of your neck. Um, Wow, I just I just think Derek Lewis like put some goddamn respect on his name. He is not just a brawler anymore, and I'm not saying he's like gonna go out and submit somebody. He said that, no, not necessarily said that. He's in his post fight press conference, which we'll get to uh, a little more in depth. He said um, if he fights Curtis Blades, he was like, I'm gonna take him down and beat him up on the ground. I was like. Derek Lewis, you are not. And I think that's just gamesmanship anyway. I don't think he really thinks that. But uh, even still, I think he knows that what he needs to work on and where he needs to what he needs to do to keep the fight standing and, and keep it in his um, in his wheelhouse. So love that. And um, I'm really looking forward to, to what's next for him. I've got a lot of questions about that, so I won't get to it now. But um, the sky's the limit for Derek Lewis. And I'm obviously being hyperbolic there. But uh, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll get into some news. And we're back. So let's talk about a few things. First thing, the women's goat, Gina Carano. Oh boy, a lot to unpack here. Um, I woke up a few days ago, whenever it was. And I see Gina Carano is canceled all over the timeline. As a matter of fact, there was a hashtag trending. Because sometimes somebody's just trending for people mentioning their name. And it's not even a hashtag, it's just a name. But a hashtag was trending. It was like Gina Carano is canceled party or canceled party or Gina Carano is canceled. Like there were so many hashtags for it. And whenever it's something like that, it leads me to believe people are upset over nothing. And before I said anything about it, I, I researched to see. What I found was people, I don't, I don't want to use the word attacking, but like bombarding her with replies and bombarding her mentions saying, um, you know, do you support Black Lives Matter? Give us a statement now. Prove you're not a racist. And I was like, you know, whenever you force somebody to do something, instinct is to do the opposite. Like whenever someone forces you to, I don't know, it, it becomes an obligation. Like when, as a kid, if I was forced to do my homework, forced to do chores, I'd be like, I don't want to do this bullshit. You have to come to things on your own. I'm not saying people shouldn't do forced to do homework or chores. Those are 
very essential things, but I'm just trying to, you know, the mentality. And, and, and especially like what I saw was Gina's response, like finally kind of breaking down, like, you know, when you're just, you know, vehemently saying, proving you're not a racist, when, when there are articles out there or research out there explaining that I'm not a racist or something like that, or basically, uh, I was like, yeah, these fucking bots and, and whatever can fuck right off. Like someone, like someone made a whole thing about like proving there was like bots because they're all the same exact tweet at the same time from different accounts. And I was like, well, that's fucking weird. But then, and, and so I tweeted, I was like, I was like, man, like, why are you on Gina's jock for this? Leave my girl alone. Leave Gina alone. And then shout out to, I'm going to get her last name wrong, probably Jessica Knappick. Could be Knappick, not sure. K-N-A-P-I-K. Anyway, shout out to Jessica. Saw my tweet, DM me, say, hey, actually, this is it. And, and sent me a whole thing. Uh, of why and it was sort of what i saw but i what i saw was on the surface and what i saw was like okay y'all are making a big dollar or nothing and then she sent me the whole thing i was like well it turns out she's a bit of a bootlicker which i don't even know what that term means so much as it is like you know anyway she she, she supports uh fucking nasty politicians and i'm like okay well gina okay like i i can't defend you anymore it it's not enough for me to go hey man fuck you and everything you've ever done don't work in this town again like whatever like people are like thankfully some of our co-stars are like you know defending her or whatever i'm like that's fine like you don't need to whatever um but i'm saying it's it's not enough for me to to be like okay fuck this like again for me one of the crystalia i was like that that's it you're you're dead to me um and i'm still that way about brian callen too you know fuck that but my instinct with this, and it's this whole thing recently with Gina and other celebrities, it's made me kind of take a step back and examine cancel culture. Because at first, when it first started becoming a thing, I was, you know, I was like, people are so quick. And with a lot of it, it was about stuff that, you know, happened years ago, like coming out like like Kevin Hart's you know, seemingly homophobic, well, not seemingly, but pre- I mean, fairly homophobic tweet from like 2011 being like, I don't want my son to be gay or something like that, which is like, uh, educate yourself, Kevin. But at the same time, y'all should have been mad back then. You know, You're trying to be a better person. I, I, I don't know. C- certain things like that. But this was, and so, and so what I wanted to say is that's what I thought it might've been like some old tweet from Gina. Um, I'm not saying people shouldn't be calling their bullshit, but like, hey man, if I get famous and they they find my old tweets, I'm gonna be canceled immediately. So, pump the brakes a little bit on this stuff. But this was pretty blatant for me to go. Uh-uh. I, I I need some space, Gina. I need some space. We should see other people. You know what I mean? So. Just wanted to say my piece about that and uh, I guess retract the tweet a little bit because I did uh, fucking, um, I deleted my tweet. I was like, and I even, whenever I delete a tweet that I feel like is problematic, I'll quote tweet it first and saying, I'm deleting this because X, Y, Z, you know, if you come at me with screenshots, you're going to get blocked. And then I delete the tweet and that's it. And thankfully, didn't have to block anybody, but you know what I mean? By the way, normalized blocking. There's so many people that are like, oh, I don't know who this person is. They blocked me. Uh, we've never interacted before. Bitch, you ever have a preemptive block? It is not a big deal. We've never met. I don't owe you anything. 
Sometimes I see a nasty tweet. I'm like, I don't want this person seeing seeing my my fucking timeline. Bye. That's it. It's always the fucking creepy motherfuckers complaining about getting blocked. I'm blocked by people I've never interacted with. Good. I hope you block me. If you see something that you don't like and you don't want me uh, on your page or vice versa or whatever, please block me. That's it. Fine. And now I've said my piece about that. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is Jordan Levitt. So there was this man won a fight at Dana White's Contender Series. Beat the fuck out of this guy. The other guy. Sorry, I don't know the other guy's name. Sorry for him. Because the story is about Jordan Levitt right now. He does a dance. He does a celebration. Someone called it twerking. I didn't really see any twerking. He does the splits. Beautiful splits, by the way. Love to see it. And then does the worm. I get a bunch of messages. And I see a bunch of tweets on the timeline. Saying, do you guys think he's in the closet? Is this guy gay? When the fuck are we going to stop caring about people's sexuality? First of all, I hope he is because, or I hope he's open about it because then we'll have, you know, another openly gay fighter because there aren't many right now. But if he is and he doesn't want to talk about it, that's his goddamn business. I, that is the fucking least of my worries. What I want to talk about is his performance. He looked amazing. And I got the contract. Like, ugh, people are just so... I, I had more to say about this. I had a more plan about talking about the toxicity of the MMA community and, and all this fucking bullshit. And I feel like I still need to talk about that, but I don't want to beat a dead horse. You know, it, it, I say this all the time, and I feel like I'm hopefully not preaching to the choir. Or I am. Or what have you. I hope no one that listens to this podcast is like, I want to talk about him being gay all the time. Because first of all, it's none of your business. And I don't know. Just want to say, if, if, if I see your ass with a, with a is Jordan Levitt gay tweet, uh, I'm going to report your ass. And not really, but I, I mean, I'm going to fucking probably give you a soft block and a mute. Um, now that's it for, you know, my SJW bullshit. Now we got some real stuff to talk about. Uh, <laughs> like that wasn't real. Fuck me. Corey Anderson asked for his release, was granted it, and then signed with Bellator. This kind of came out of left field. I did not expect to see this. There was a bunch of tweets being like the, you know, obviously using his own words against him with it. Like, there's levels to this. Like, when will y'all stop? <laughs> because you already piled on him after the yawn thing. Like, now, anytime Corey Anderson loses a fight, like, fucking people don't lose fights. We're just like, there's levels to this. Yeah, there's levels, of course. And he's a level of Johnny Walker. And there's people above him. Like, he doesn't... Not think he's gonna be fucking John Jones or whatever. Like, there's levels to this. Like, people say, you know, I feel like DC has said that before. Like, there's levels to this, and uh, DC has lost a couple of fights. Like, I don't know, people are crazy. Um, the best tweet about it, by the way, if we're talking about hack tweets, which is this is not a hack tweet. Again, um, Goon made this meme. <laughs> I was like, it was a Simpson. I forget what the character. I want to say it's Barney or the or the police chief. One of those two, probably. Um, someone is getting like fucking injected with something that he's like shooting up, and the people that are uh, doing the like giving him the drugs or whatever. Um, and it's like, 
uh, light heavyweights that no one cared about or wanted to watch. And then Scott Coker is the guy getting shut out. <laughs> He's like smiling. I'm like, dude, that was the funniest shit of all time. Shout out to Freelance Goon. Um, but yeah, I want to say a couple things. Because first of all, after he beat the fuck out of Johnny Walker and put his hands on the ref. I was not a fan of Corey Anderson in that moment. And I'm not saying, you know, like there's a lot of people that defend Corey Anderson vehemently because like, like it's the same thing with like Leon Edwards fans. Like, so what? He wins. Who cares? And they're like, you just hate him because he's winning. You just hate him because you beat your favorite fighter. I'm like, okay. I'm allowed to be excited about Johnny Walker. Okay. And, uh, yeah, Corey, I'm, the reason I was fucking shitting on Corey Anderson for putting his hands on a ref. You don't fucking do that. Especially, like, it's funny. This 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 uh, news comes out, what, like, uh, not even a week after Dana uh, ha- has that little press conference or whatever, and he's like, uh, if you work for me and you put your hands on an official, that's it, you're done. <laughs> so maybe Corey Anderson was like, ooh, this is my ticket out. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, remember the time I fucking put my hands on Kevin McDonald? Do you want to release me? But what I want to say is, at that fight, he he was so fired up after like squashing a hype train, uh, and and he went in the back in the the media scrum, and he was like, "If they don't give me a title shot, I'm asking for my release." They gave him a you know, what probably was a number one contenders fight. We don't know because they have they're fucking that division is so wacky right now with John Jones, um, and the pandemic of course. But um, they gave him the fight with Jan, and then I kind of felt like. That was it for him. But uh, he was not a free agent. His contract was not up. And I think they were planning to book him. Probably they were going to maybe give him some tough fights. Because um, they are petty like that. But uh, he asked for his release. And he got signed with Bellator. So I'm really uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do over there. Um, Bellator as of late has been a bit of a thorn in my side i gotta be honest because there, there's a group of of people on on mma twitter who like to shame anyone that doesn't watch bellator like if you you know you don't watch Bellator, you're a casual or it's just like you know not watching mma that's outside of the ufc that makes you a casual like sometimes i don't want to fucking track down you know like bellator has not done a good job of getting me excited and, getting, and making me aware of when and where their fucking fights are showing. I don't want to hunt down a fucking app. I hate streaming. I hate going to just crackstream.com and be like, hey, f- fucking fights. You know what I mean? So, I feel like I'm not coherent right now. So, uh, I feel like I shouldn't put an asterisk on anything I'm saying. But, just got to say, uh, I'm ready for Anderson versus Bader. Um, I'll watch the fuck out of that. Not that I think he can win. And not that I like Ryan Bader either. <laughs> I think it's because I don't. I think it's because whenever I like fucking Yair versus a beat right now, both on my shit list. So I hope one of them gets KO'd. And uh, I'm here for it. Corey Anderson versus Ryan Bader. Don't like either. Want to see one of them get knocked out. Let's make it happen. That's kind of where I'm at with that. And another release that was met with uh, so, some really nasty comments, I got to say... Uh, Ray Borg got released from the UFC. And I'm not going to sit here and go through his whole laundry list of uh, fights he's pulled out of. uh, Because here's the deal. Ray Borg is an interesting case. Because anytime that Ray Borg 
has either pulled out of a fight or um, denied a fight or anything like that with reasons for his son or his family in general, he gets a pass. He gets unlimited passes for that. That shit is heartbreaking. But he's not doing himself any favors by missing weight all the time. By missing weight at flyweight, being forced to go up to bantamweight, and missing weight at bantamweight. And making statements saying, if I miss weight again, I'm going to retire from MMA. I'm going to leave the sport. And then he doesn't. That said, the dusty-ass motherfuckers in the mentions of the MMA fighting tweet or, or, or whoever... I'm saying there are multiple. I'm not saying whoever it was. The one I saw was from MMA fighting, but um, anyone in the fucking mention saying like, good, fuck this guy. He's always pulling out of fights, like whatever. Like most of the time he pulls out, it's because of the family and he gets past that. But missing weight, like the the family card doesn't work for everything. So I, I don't want to say this is met with me with, with conflicting statements, but for the most part, it's, it's met with a message of, I wish him well, and I hope he, he signs somewhere where uh, they're respective of his situation and they want to help. Uh, you know, people, I, I think whenever someone gets cut from the UFC, they're like, oh, well, he'll be fine with Bellator. Like, that's immediately where, the, where they go. doesn't always happen. Sometimes it's back to the regional scene. Sometimes it's 1FC. I always want to say 1FC, one championship. Um, sometimes it's rising. Sometimes it's fucking bare-knuckle boxing for some reason. Um, but I just want to say best of luck to you, Ray Borg. Um, really, really hope you find somewhere that uh, pays you really well. Because when Ray Borg is on, he's exciting as fuck. Like, say what you want. And, and, and suddenly, like, his interviews just to annoy the shit out of me. But then I realize it's because he's young and, and whatever. He's doing a lot of growing up. Ray Borg is exciting. His scramble game is is legit, and anyone that can scramble like that, like high level, and like the grappling, I love it. Got to stand. So, Ray Borg, best of luck to you. And last but not least, we got to talk about Usada being a bunch of fucking narcs, dude. Hey, I am so tired. Like, I feel like when Usada came in, everyone was like super congratulatory like yeah let's clean up the sport let's get these cheats out and at first i was i was uh i had that same energy as well you know i was thinking about oh yeah people taking fucking steroids and and then you know getting into a fist fight should be fucking you know not allowed to to do that anymore you know what i mean and then the more usada gets in depth on certain things like they need to chill the fuck out with certain things Osterine, like for fuck's sake. Like, it's not even on my list, but uh, Marc-Andre Barriot was suspended for, for peak grams of Osterine. Like, fuck out of here, dude. Osterine. Like, bro, there's like 10 fighters in the past couple of years that pop for like minute levels of Osterine that they're like, oh, you're a cheater. Like, circumstance matters. Amount matters. And, and, and certain things to me, I think they're just nuts about. USADA, this time rearing their ugly ass heads suspended tim elliott luis pena and jamal hill for cannabis hey first of all nothing wrong with that people should get high day before fights if they want as long as they're not high when they're in the cage do a fucking do a smell test see if their eyes are are glossed over i don't i don't give a fuck just don't fight high but you can be high uh the morning of the fight if you want like fuck that 
gotta fucking normalize cannabis. We gotta decriminalize cannabis, especially when it comes to USADA. Like, this is fucking wild. It's not a performance enhancer. Are you stupid? And especially with Tim Elliott, and I think this maybe apply for the other the others as well. This is short notice. Like I saw this article um, where someone was trying to get uh, Sean O'Malley's take on it, and Sean O'Malley is like very vocal about you know his cannabis use and have a strain named after him and all that good stuff. Has never failed a drug test for cannabis, and he's like he's like you got to know you got to know when to stop. You got to know when you're. Uh, you know, like there's a certain period, like two weeks before the fight or three weeks and some for some people, like you got to know when it is and you just stop taking it. And I was like, yeah, OK, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't explain Tim Elliott taking a bunch of fucking short notice fights like it's going to happen. So. I don't know. Free Tim Elliott, free Luis Pena, free Jamal Hill. Definitely don't free Kanye. Lock him up. Lock him the fuck up until after election, and then and then we'll talk. Totally not even about this, but you know we need to save Kanye West from himself before he fucking ruins the world. Um, and boys and girls, that is it from me. And now we'll turn attention over to you. And that is to say, let's start the forum. This is my favorite part of the show, where I get to hear from you guys, hear what you want to talk about, answer some questions. So without further ado, let's get it started from my man Dave Fretz. Hey, what's going on, Juice? This is Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz, and not Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. And I got somebody here that just came running over the once to say hi. Hi. That's Juice. Hi, Juice. Anyways, got a question for you today, man. Um, Asked the same one of Rhino. Uh, Really curious about this. If you were to sit down with any referee and be able to ask three questions, who, which ref would it be, and what would the questions be? Uh, I said to Rhino, for example, um, not sure who it would be, but I'd I'd love to sit down and ask, you know, what's the strangest thing they've seen happen um, in a fight that they were calling. And, uh, yeah, sort of along that lines, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened last night on the Bellator card. Um, yeah, and I was just curious. Anyways, man, hope you're having a good day. Enjoy the fights tonight. This is on Friday, no, Saturday, and we'll talk to you soon. Yes, love that. Shout out to Judah. What's up, Judah? Also, I love how my name is, is, is seems to be hard to, hard to pronounce, or not hard to pronounce, but hard to say. Um for um for younger kids like um uh, what's his name fighte frankie's uh little kid as well he calls the jam it was always like juice and it seems like really labored same with judah just now that's what reminded me of it um great question dave for me uh i kind of want to sit well first of all um i want to take this opportunity to do a quick plug for my boy t cross's podcast tea time with t cross um, just listen to his episode with um, Spike Cohen, 
who is the running mate for the Libertarian candidate, um, Dr. Joe. Um, it's just really cool that, um, you know, he was on, you know, he gave the time to, to my buddy who's just, uh, you know, just, just a regular guy, um, doesn't have a big platform, but um, the fact that he was willing to have that conversation I thought was so cool, you know, regardless of your beliefs. I think it's worth uh, checking out just to hear what he has to say. But um, I, I say that because I had him on my show, being that he is a, just recently got certified as an MMA ref, like right before uh, shit shut down. So I would like for my boy to get some more experience in a couple of years and then uh, have him on again. But in general, if, if, if I got the opportunity to talk to you know a referee at the highest level, I'd want to talk to Herb Dean. And I want to say calmly, it's like, hey, Herb, um, you know, refs shouldn't really have fans, but I'm a fan. You know, um, I like your energy. You've, you've had some great calls over the years, but over the past few years, you've had some really shitty calls. So first, I would just like for him to just explain himself for some of these calls. Because like I've said before, sometimes you think it might be a bad call, but if they have the opportunity to justify it, Maybe you can see things differently. I always bring Herb Dean as an example of this, especially because he was on the Joe Rogan podcast a few months after uh, the Ben Askren-Robbie Lawler fight. And I never thought it was a terrible stoppage to begin with. I was just kind of on the fence because a lot of people were... Um, a lot of people were... Um, criticizing it, but I was like, Robbie looked out to me... Uh, and then Herb explained his reasoning for it, being that it was like compressing the spine and things like that. And I was like, oh, my God, totally get it. Not calling that a bad stoppage ever again. And anyone who does should just go watch that interview. And if you still do, then I'm sorry we disagree. But some, sometimes, man, like and another one he defended as well, um, or at least explained, was um, the Bisping versus Anderson Silva fight when he didn't call it after the flying knee at the end of the third round and things like that with the mouthpiece. Like, I, I, I at least like I thought I was, you know, it was more justified after hearing that. So I'm like, okay. So I, I would just want to ask him, like, especially about the Jai Herbert, um, Francisco Trinaldo one, because, like I said, he had that little Twitter video where he explained some of it, and um, I was like, okay, but man, that motherfucker was out, dude. Like, that's it, Herb. Like, we got to talk about this. I just want to see, like, what what he thinks is the threshold and what he thinks should be, like, repercussions, if if, if at all. He probably doesn't think so, but, you know, I'd want to know. Uh, I'd also want to ask the same question you said. What, you know, what's the wildest thing you've ever seen in a fight? Um, I think he got asked this question. Actually, he was on um, Access TV. It was H and F. I forget the the show that ben, um, Boss Rutten had with um, Kenny Rice. I want to say the guy's name was. They had, would had like different refs on. I think they had Herb and Big John McCarthy at the same time. And um, Herb Dean told a fun, really funny story about um, Chael Sonnen versus Trevor Prangley. I want to say it was someone they had Chael in an Ezekiel choke, which this is before Elena came on the scene was doing it. Usually it's more of a geek choke, and um, Chael was like gurgling and making it like seem like he was maybe in danger of tapping, but obviously not tapping. Fight goes to decision. I think Chael won. Um, Chael told Herb, he goes, you know, I wasn't, that, that that choke wasn't in right. And then he goes with Trevor's like, man, you almost had me there, <laughs> which I thought was fucking hilarious. Chael's so two-faced. He's canceled. Um, and the third question I would ask him, I was like, why don't you take more points away? Not you 
specifically, I, I would ask this about why, why refs don't take more points away. Because th they have the power. It's not like there's something written in the rules where they say they can't take points away um, on, unless only under extreme circumstances. It's entirely at their discretion. And sometimes it makes me think, like, I know one of the reasons that Herb Dean is a great ref or, you know, used to be a great ref, however you feel. I think he still is. He just has had some bad moments. Um, is that he has in-cage experience and, um, you know, martial arts training, which I think is important. But I've lately been thinking that that may cloud their judgment because I may think like, oh, like I came back from a bad spot like this. Maybe they can come back too. Like things like that. Or it kind of makes me feel like maybe someone just needs to train jujitsu so they know like when someone is out of a choke and, and that sort of thing and just go through referee training because sometimes that can fucking cloud your judgment. That may be a controversial take. Um, it's just something I've been thinking about recently. I'm not ready to like make a hard stance on that. It's just, it's been on my mind. So thank you, Dave. That was a, an amazing question. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? All right, juice and all you juice heads. I want to do this question while I'm thinking of it because the fight's still going on at Kunis Kaiser or whatever. I'm not going to try and pronounce them. Anyways, question for you. Uh, Benil Dariush, since he didn't call nobody out, who do you think's next for him? I'd like to see someone like, you know, Kevin Lee, Ally Quinta, you know, that area. Even Islam if he doesn't have a fight yet. I don't know what's up with Gregor Gillespie and Cerrone. We're not even going to worry about him, right? But that's what I think it should be for him. But I'd like to get your thoughts on that. It is what it is, kids. And you know it's always fucking 420 here. Peace. Kids, be like Jimasoon. God bless Jimasoon. So chill. So cool. Gotta love it. Man... I think that's great. I didn't even think about Kevin Lee and Alia Quinta. Either of those would be great fights for Benil Dariush. I also, um, I wouldn't hate uh, the Islam one. Yeah, that's a great fight. I got to say, you nailed it, Jim. I, 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 I don't know anything else to say. I think that's the fight. I think it's either those guys... Um, for some reason, I don't think he'll get it. So I, I don't know. I think Kevin Lee's actually out for a while um, because of the uh, like an injury he sustained in the Oliveira fight. I, I read that recently, and I'm not sure if Al is fighting again uh, necessarily. I don't know. He, he's been cornering Aljo, so I, I think he's still training. That would be an issue. I would love to see Iaquina versus um, Darius as well. Here's another one. Doesn't really make sense ranking wise, but I don't give a fuck. Darius versus Hooker. How about that, dude? Darius versus Dan Hooker. Benil motherfucking Darius versus Dan the Hangman Hooker. That would be fucking fire. That would be amazing. Also, Benil Darius versus Paul Felder. But Paul said he's kind of pseudo, like, semi-retired, basically, after the Hooker fight. Like, he'll only kind of, you know, get up for a big fight. So, um, yeah. And if, and if Pettis wants to come down to 55 again, Pettis versus Darius is a great fight too. Even though Pettis is kind of like, you know, he's another one where it's like, is he out? Is he not? You know, but uh, man, I would love that as well. Thanks, Jim. I, by the way, I was, I, f I was feeling fucking on your level last night. I was so high. I was like, when, I, when, I, when the question came in, I was like, 
Man, me and Jim are on the same fucking wavelength, dude. <laughs> Love it. Juicy baby, it's your boy Rhino from the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast. Man, what a night of fights, dude. But my question for you is, Benil fucking Dariush, holy smokes. What a spinning back forearm, we'll call it, because that's what hit uh, Hot Sauce Holtzman in the face and knocked him silly. But Benil Dariush, I believe that's they said it's his fifth win in a row. Dude streaking out of uh, King's MMA in California, so... I've got a couple ideas of who should be next for him, but I'm curious to know, who would you like to see Benil Daryush match up with next? Love the show. Love you, my brother. We'll talk to you later. Rhino, my man. First of all, look very much looking forward to your episode. Rhino and I <laughs> released on the same day, so I was like, are recording at the same time, and then uh, like whenever his is published, it's usually I'm still wrapping up, so sometimes I'll... I'll listen for some last-minute inspiration. Um, Rhino, by the way, um, I said it before, but just in case you didn't hear those last episodes, Rhino and I are working on a side project, and it's getting closer to being ready to debut. Can't fucking wait. Uh, It's more of a time issue on my end, and uh, we also are in need of potentially a musician. So any musicians listening... Slide him a DMs. And it's kind of a... I, I always hate when a similar question gets asked back to back. But I kind of like it because it means people are on the same, you know, wavelength and they're excited to talk about something. And as uh, I was listening to Rhino's question, I thought of another one that I didn't say for Jim. And again, this one doesn't make sense ranking-wise. But you know what would be fucking wild... Benil Dariush versus Rafael Faziev, the guy that fought Diakese, who was doing the fucking Matrix shit, which is, I mean, that's obviously a pretty common Muay Thai thing that people were like, the fucking Muay Thai hipsters of MMA Twitter were like, oh, you guys don't watch Muay Thai, and it's so clear. I was like, oh, fuck you. Uh, anyway, mostly just because I hate um, people that I directed anyone specifically. Um, but yeah, uh, that will be fucking nuts. Because the reason why I thought that, actually, because I was thinking the DKC fight, but then I was like, well, he just lost. Like, uh, Benil's on a nice win streak. And then I was like, how about the fucking guy that just beat him? That would be insane. Um, I also wouldn't mind um, seeing him against a, a fucking stud-ass wrestler like that that guy, uh, Arman Sorukian, the Armenian guy that uh, just had the, the fight um, with Davey Hamash, I think. Oh, my God. So, so good. That would be amazing. Thank you, Rhino. Really looking forward to... Uh, to your show I'm actually probably going to listen to it after after I, I'm done recording um, I'm getting some Cheesecake Factory for the family and I'm probably going to be listening to it in the car did you need to know that? no, but I shared it anyway my friend, before I even get to my question I just want to ask how are you doing you know I appreciate you as a human being first and foremost and then as a content creator and contributor to our sport I really do appreciate what you're doing and don't let anyone discourage you from doing it because you're doing a phenomenal job I love listening to you talk about what your passion is but let me get back on subject I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm not in an emotional state after watching Chris Weidman do what he did I'm not really sure where he goes from here, though, because he just beat, what, the number eighth guy in the world? So is he going to take the number eighth ranking in the mantle, or are they going to try and throw him in, like, the 12 to 15 spot and then push Akhmadov out of the ratings, um, rankings, rather, as a result of that? And if so, 
where do you see him fighting next at? Because he's not retiring. A lot of people thought that he would retire, and that isn't the case. Anyway, I'm sorry for taking up all your time. Hope you have a great day, my man. I appreciate you once again. Yes, Kairos, I love this question. Thank you so much for the kind words. I got to say, <laughs> at first I thought it was setting me up like, I appreciate you. I love what you do. Now, you wild it. Like, I, I was waiting for him to like tear me down for some reason. I thought it was like, I have to preface this by saying you're, you know, I like you. No, uh, shout out to Kairos. Go give him a follow if you, if you aren't already. You probably are. Kairos is like fucking, he's running this shit on MMA Twitter. Uh, people love him, and I love him. That's what I'm saying. Uh, dude, I gotta say, first of all, and this is the problem with the rankings. Like, obviously, it wouldn't make sense. Like, if you're not ranked and you beat someone that's uh, fairly high rank or even whatever at all, it wouldn't make sense for for them to be ranked um, higher than you. But it also doesn't make sense for someone to leapfrog 15 through 9 and just kind of come in. Again, former champion, deserves a little bit more respect than maybe some people who haven't been champion. But it's wacky. It's fucking weird. They need to reshuffle that shit anyway. So, like, put put Weidman maybe 14 and Ahmed out of 15. I, no, I don't know. That, that, that seems a little too harsh. I'm glad I don't make the rankings. But if I was tasked with it, I would be shaking some shit up. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. You know what I mean? Um, but but to answer your question about what's next for him, uh, or, or, or rather whether or not he should retire, before this fight, I had these those losses in the back of my mind. I had the nasty KO from Jacare and the quick KO from uh, Reyes in my mind. And I was thinking, God, I hope Chris wins this, gets on the mic and says, it's time for me to be with my family. But no, they're talking about moving down to North Carolina, which I thought was probably to be with uh you know close to wonder boy their their family and i think it's like they, they say they're like brother-in-law but i think it's like weidman's brother is married to um wonder boy's sister or vice versa like it's it's not like a direct relation where um or it is weidman married to um Wonderboy's sister? I'm not sure. Any, anyway, there's some relation there, um, and their their family. He he did his camp, I think, with him. But I th- I I thought the motivation was to pr- probably get a, get away from COVID, because um, uh, New York is getting hit hard right now. So um, either way, I hope him and his family are safe, and I hope they sit down together and discuss the next steps. Like fighters talk about sometimes, like. Matt Hughes t- said this once, and I mean, Matt Hughes is a piece of shit, but he was like, I only retire because my stinking wife and stinking Dana were telling me to retire. It's like, hey, man, these are people that care about you that are in your life. Like, if, if I was fighting, I was getting knocked the fuck out, and uh, my wife would ask me to retire, I'd probably retire. Like, those things have to be taking, you, you have to take them on board. I don't know. But, in terms of what I think, like if I was, you know, in Chris Wyman's team, I would say, look, let's rest up. You know, you didn't take a ton of damage, but you still went the distance and, you know, you both uh, traded some shots. So let's get some scans. Let's make sure you're healthy. Let's uh, spend some time. Let's try and get a proper camp. And I, I would be talking to the UFC about getting a fight. You know, a guy at Chris Wyman's age, and I'm, and I'm not going to sit here and say he's old or, or what have you. 
he actually hasn't had a ton of fights. He just had, had some bad ones, and he was at the highest level for, for so long, so people tend to be under, like, a ton of scrutiny at that point. But, um, you know, Chris needs needs a matchup where he can uh, have a little more time. You know what would be a fun matchup for him? And this might not be good for him you know, brain-wise. I was thinking the Kevin Holland fight uh, would be a fun fight. But I think that just... That tends to happen when people fight in the same card in the same weight class, because there's, there's recency bias is such a thing, and um, you know I want to. Um, I I don't know. I, I'm just really happy to see Chris Wilder in the win column. Like like you said, like I, I can't pretend to be not emotional either, Kairos. I'm a you know I'm a big Weidman fan, and. I hate when 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 things happen where where people are on a win streak or sorry they're on a losing streak and they break the win streak, and we we get to be happy for that person. And there's some people that are like, "Where were you when he was losing? You know, are you a Weidman fan now that he's winning?" It's like, no, uh, I just don't want to see him get fucking hurt. And that usually what happens in his fights. So I just been a little quiet, and that's fine. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I saw Marvin Vittori call him out. Uh, don't want that fight. Do not want that fight. Uh, especially since uh, Marvin Torrey was like, I would have him begging for air. I was like, Ugh. first of all, super cringe. Um, secondly, I would be worried about Marvin Torrey's like boxing and his defensive wrestling. Like, I, I think Wyman might have a hard time taking Vitor down. Maybe not though, because I, I thought he would have a hard time taking Omari down, and he he took him down. So, fuck it, I'm in. Wyman versus Vitori. Let's do it. Actually, you know, I wouldn't hate. Also, um, I, I was I was saying Fight Geek on the Split Decision podcast said that uh, uh, Vittori versus Gaslam is the fight to make, and I think that would be interesting. Um, but a Weidman versus Gaslam rematch might also be interesting. Or just throwing this out there, Hermanson versus Weidman. I know it's probably not ranking wise the best fight, but. Uh, if Wyman does take over that number eight spot, it won't be too crazy. Shit. No, I'm I'm crazy. That that's probably a bad fight for him. Fuck. See, this is the problem. Like, we we've now gotten used to the idea of of, of Chris like losing these tough fights, and I remember um, when when Chris was doing some press for the Gaslam fight. They they were giving him credit, They're saying like a lot of people said that you should take more of a tune-up fight. You know, you lost badly to Rockhold, uh, Romero, Musasi. These are all like you know you got finished in these losses, and you're you're facing a, a young, surging, up-and-coming guy. And he was like he was like this is the UFC. There are no there are no easy fights. I, I'm not the kind of guy to to look for an easy fight. Uh, that's not me. And uh, I give him credit for that. I really do. And so. Um, I do think he's got a point in his career where he not necessarily pick fights, but he needs to just not say yes to whoever they offer him. Because I kind of feel like they might be trying to push him out. Not necessarily to cut him, but to, to try and get him to retire without asking. You know, if, if I can say that. And that's no disrespect. I just think, um, you know... It happens a lot in the fight game. The the young fighters, the young lions, have to push out the old lions, and I think that's kind of what they're trying to do. So, who knows? Who knows?
Hey there, Juice. Fighting with myself. It's Smokey J here from Australia. Chris Weidman, man. He fucking picked himself up a win against Omari Akhmedov. And then in his post-fight interview, he says he's going back down to middleweight. And I don't know how I fucking feel about that, man. Um, to be perfectly honest, he didn't look too quick at light heavyweight. And middleweights are a lot quicker. So that alone fucking is a little bit worrying. And... Honestly, I'd like to see him go up to heavyweight and fight fucking Luke Rockhold at heavyweight because that would be a fun fight. Uh, what would you like to see from Chris? And I probably should mention that I got myself into a little fucking pink hair pickle. So um, that'll be dealt with by the end of the week. Uh, that's all. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yes. I gotta love it, Smokey J. A pink hair pickle. First of all, I meant to mention this as well. People were mad at at Izzy with with for the filter with him with the bleach blonde hair and the earring and so he doubled down on it and dyed his hair pink god bless him I fucking love Israel Adesanya so much and that just sent it to another level that was like oh my god trolling the trolls not only that living your truth I love it fucking I'm all in and I said that if uh uh, he beats, you know, when, first of all, when he beats Paulo, Paulo Costa, um, I'm going to dye my hair pink in solidarity. Uh, but also there's a caveat that whether or not I think my job at that time will allow it. So that's uh, maybe a conversation needs to be had. And I'm glad that Smokey J, Smokey J tweeted out, if this tweet gets 500 likes, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to dye my hair pink. I'm glad that you're doing it. I really can't wait to see pink-haired Smokey. But you should have set the bar a little higher. Like, get yourself a thousand likes, bro. Like, they would have done it. People want to see that shit. Um, and I love it. I love everything about it. But now your question. Weidman versus Rockhold at heavyweight? Cue the gif of Conor McGregor being like, sign me up. Sign me up for that shit. Um, just because I think uh, Weidman can beat him in a rematch and uh, seeing Rockhold lose is like a birthday present god I hate that guy so much and I really don't understand anyone that likes him I don't I really don't like there's nothing redeemable about him he's so terrible he's not even that good anymore he gets knocked the fuck out. I better stop. The TKO girls are going to hate me. They love Luke Rockhold. But, uh, dude, fucking Weidman versus Rockhold, the heavyweight. I need it. If nothing else, because I think Rockhold has, has said he's pretty much retired, I need it in a grappling match. They need to do combat jujitsu. I need to see them getting slapped by each other. I need to see Weidman slap Rockhold. I need to see him take him down and fucking arm triangle the fuck out of him. I mean, Luke Rockhold is really good at jujitsu. I will say that. Um, but he doesn't use it in his fights because he's so dumb. Uh, so I w actually would be worried for Weidman in a, in a jiu-jitsu match. But I think he can beat him in MMA. Let's do it. Weidman Rockhold 2. I almost said Weidman Rockhold 3 because they were booked a second time. That's how Bisping got a shot. But uh, Weidman Rockhold 2 at heavyweight. Sign me up. Hey, what's going on, Juice? Um, I just wanted to uh, pop in on this beautiful Sunday and say I goddamn love Tim Means. Fuck, I love that guy. And on the other side of the coin, I'm sure Chris Weidman's a lovely man, but I just, I fucking can't. Uh, my pick here on out is him getting knocked out in the first round. I don't care who he's fighting. Um, 
other than that, I was just wondering who your favorite unranked fighters are, if you could rattle off a couple of them and, and maybe why. Uh, I hope everyone has a great day. Take it easy, bro. Okay, aside from the random uh, Weidman hate, uh, that was a great uh, that was a great message, D. Shout out to D. Kron's. Uh <laughs> Fucking A. Like, why? Um, even though, let's be real, there's a possibility of that happening. But anyways, you'll never hear me say that again. Uh, yes, love to means to. I, I was, I was. I'm glad when I'm right about a matchup because sometimes you see a matchup on paper, you're like, oh, this is gonna be a banger. This is gonna be fighter than I like, like fucking no defense, like no fucking uh, takedowns or whatever. Not that there wasn't a little bit of uh, grappling involved. Tim Means versus Loreano Steropoli was an amazing, amazing fight, dude. And yes, love Tim Means. And I, I, I really, I'm baffled by the fact that I think in the post interview he said that he didn't think it was that exciting or didn't think it was uh, the kind of fight he wanted. I was like, bro, you don't have to take damage for it to be an exciting fight. You beat the fuck out of that guy. Like, save your brain a little bit, Tim. What the fuck? Um, so, um, gotta love that fight. And yeah, um, shout out to Tim Means in general. To answer your question, uh, some, of my, some of my favorite unranked fighters... Um, Obviously, I'm on the Hamzat Chimaev train uh, a little bit. We talked about this before. I'm not all the way in, but I'm I'm definitely not one of those people saying he's fought bums. You know, I'm, I want to see what he does next. I think he's exciting as fuck. Um, I know technically champions are ranked, but it's like also like not. They don't have a number. Like the ranking is C. So can I call it a champion? I'm just kidding. Um, no, my uh, I'll add Muslim Salikov. James Krause. I feel like these are all welterweights, and I should change it up. Um, obviously, Gavin Tucker I just talked about. Wow, love that guy. Um, is Benil Darius ranked? Don't think so. He should uh, get mentioned as well. He used to be ranked. He was ranked at one point. Um, I wanted to say... Um, Angela Hill has to be ranked by now. I mean right she's ranked otherwise angela hill but i don't think so i think she's ranked yeah well, that's about it thank you bro that was an amazing question hey juice this is phil the mma dude from the split decision podcast uh my question for this week is i've been seeing a lot of people online speaking about how in five or ten years time every ufc champion is going to look like a habib Nurmagomedov in terms of style uh a lot of people are pointing to the rise of hamza chemaev as uh proof of this concept that soon uh you know just these russian sambo style wrestlers are going to take over every single weight division uh, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts about that prediction. Do you think that that's accurate uh, and, and, you know, that's inevitable and that's the evolution of the sport? Or do you think that strikers and, and you know, jujitsu practitioners and, you know, just other forms of, of wrestling, are those, are those fighters going to find a way to, uh, to combat uh, this new Sambo style that is, that is proving unstoppable, at least so far? Thanks so much, man. Wow. Great question, Phil. Thank you for that. Really, I hadn't thought about this, but it's an interesting point because I heard DC uh, on the, I was going to say an interview with Ariel, but he hates that because it's their show. It's not an interview. Um, 
the uh, the DC and Helwani show. This is a few weeks ago. I think it was I think it was after the first, may have been the second um, Hamzat fight. And I think it was the first though. And he was telling Ariel, he was like, you know, or Ariel asked him rather, what what he thinks of it. And he's like, you know, I said this years ago, like the Dagestans, they dominate the wrestling world. And I knew it would just only take a few years for them to catch up. And you're starting to see them integrated into MMA and they're taking over. And while I don't agree with the notion that every champion is going to have that style in five years, especially you're seeing a lot of strikers learn takedown defense. The fight starts standing. I mean, Israel Adesanya has been defending takedowns like his whole UFC run and is certainly not that kind of style, but has come up against, you know, similar wrestlers and uh, been successful. So I, I don't know that I would go so far as to say every champion, but it's not a far-fetched notion. Uh, you know, I was thinking about, uh, you know, as I was listening to your question, Phil, I was thinking about the kind of history of MMA and how it's such an evolving sport and people forget that. Um, like, the greatest of a certain era could fucking lose to the bottom of the barrel of this area because it's so... Uh, it's such a new sport and it favors the young guys, you know, in general... But think about it. First UFC that started the whole damn thing, Hoist Gracie, Jiu-Jitsu, submitting everybody. And then people started learning Jiu-Jitsu. And then eventually you had guys like Mark Coleman, Don Fry, Dan Severn, these wrestlers come in. And uh, they were smashing people and they learned to avoid the submissions. So it's like now we got to all learn wrestling. And then... Somewhere in there, around that time, it was specialists that dominated. You had Damian Maya, you know, specialist in jiu-jitsu. Anderson Silva, kind of a specialist in Muay Thai, or just kind of kickboxing in general. Um, even at one point, Maurice uh, Smith, you know, won a title somewhere in there, those early UFC days. And then, I want to say around let's call it 2010, it started to be the story of like the well-rounded guy. It's like, who can do everything? Uh, maybe even as late, late as 2015, I could be I could be off on that. Um, and now it's kind of going back to the specialist in some way because you see Habib being a specialist in wrestling. You see Israel Adesanya being a specialist in striking. It's being really good at one area and good enough in the other areas that I think uh, is important. And it's being able to dictate where the fight takes place. Wrestlers are so successful because they dictate where the fight takes place. If they want to take you down, they'll take you down. If they don't want to take you down, like if you're trying to take them down, they'll keep it standing. So that's where I think uh, those guys shine is just in, in, you know, controlling the fight. And uh, certainly that style is very dominant. Like if someone is getting beat the fuck up on the feet and having a dominant striking performance, usually either the fight gets stopped or there's a knockout and then they get stopped because of the knockout. Uh, it's rare that a, a fight is a striker is so dominant. Um, and it goes to decision. Like if it's a clear dominant striking performance, usually a finish happens. Um, but with a dominant wrestling performance like that, I mean, obviously Chemayev or uh, Chemayev, 
Hamzat Jemayev notwithstanding. Uh, it, it's a decision, and they just they just beat him pillar to post. But great question. Uh, if I had to put a, a year on it, as far as if I think that would happen, I would maybe say 10 years, not not five. Um, and God, I hope that doesn't happen. Not that that style can't be exciting, but if they were all like that, like variety is what's exciting. Like a guy like Habib is special because he's the only one uh, for the most part. Like if there were, if everyone was like Habib, I'd be like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> but it is what it is. Thanks, Phil. Go check out Split Decision Podcast. Uh, they do a really good job over there. Him and Fight Geek. Juice, what's going on, brother? It's uh, Scott Nolan. Hope you and the fam are doing well. Um, first, I got to shout out my boy, Peter Barrett. His backstory is uh, inspiring, and, and he, he showed some fucking hot last night. Uh, plus, he's fellow mass also. I got a soft spot for him. Um, but my question is about Yusuf. Um, what do you think his ceiling is? And I'm admittedly not too much on Twitter during fight nights, but he doesn't seem to get the same hype that a lot of people, you know, Hamzat and other newcomers get. Um, and I'm just curious why that is, because he's got, uh, the boy's got some skills and he just seems like a really likable dude in all his interviews. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, interested to hear your thoughts on it. And uh, like I said, hope you guys are doing well and we'll uh, catch you on the timeline. Peace. Hell yeah, Scott. What an amazing question. Uh, love to hear that uh, thick Massachusetts dialect. Showed some fucking hot. Gotta love it. Uh, yeah, dude. I gotta say, so in terms of him not getting like the hype train treatment from uh, the MMA community, I think it's partially because of uh, the Jordan Griffin fight. He didn't look like he was a world beater. Like Jordan Griffin exposed a little bit of weakness. Uh, that was a really close fight. His first fight was amazing. Like me and uh, me and Freelance Goon were like Yusuf Zalal, fucking like so on his nuts on, after that first fight, that debut. I was like, damn. And this fight, I was kind of that same way. Uh, I love Yusuf Zalal. I'm super excited to to see what he's going to bring. Uh, as a matter of fact, I didn't say this earlier. Yusuf Zalal versus Gavin Tucker. Are you kidding me? Make that fight right now. I mean, you're killing two prospects. But fuck, dude. That's an amazing fight. Um, that's why I hate like rankings and like star building. That's why I fucking hate boxing. Like they build up, you know, you get to a fucking like 30 and 0 record by fighting cans and then you get the real fights. Like give me the fucking real fights right now. I don't care if one of them has to lose. Give me Yusuf Zalal and Gavin Tucker right now. Just uh, took a time machine back to the 1920s. And this corner we got Yusuf Zalal, the Moroccan devil. And the other corner we had Gavin the Governor Tucker for some reason. He's fighting out of Nova Scotia, even though he's from Newfoundland. I know that because I heard it from the Raging Sweeper Channel, who doesn't listen to the show anymore because he hates me. Anyway, dude, uh, great question. Yeah, Yusuf Zalal 2020. Uh, make it happen. And that is it for voice questions. Um, you can submit them uh, by downloading the Anchor app, searching Fighting With Myself, and hitting the message button. Uh, you can also, I, there's a link that I tweet on the forum post. Um, you can also do what Scott did, which is to record it on your own and email it to me, uh, to fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. Those are the two best ways. Phil also DM'd me the question. Um, 
with a, with a, with a, with a clip. So love that. Um, actually, before we get into the Twitter form, I do have a, um, another DM question from my girl, MMA astrology. And I always, whenever someone does, and I've seen like a, it's like several different accounts, uh, like this It's usually with marijuana, but every time there's like an MMA and they either, if the word starts with an A or it starts with an MA and they kind of like overlap them. I'm always wondering how to pronounce it. Like, is it MMA astrology? Is it MM astrology? Is it MMA astrology? Like, I, I have no idea, but uh, I love it. This is the uh, astrology queen that was doing the, the picks based on astrology for Threadhead Media. Go check out her article. And here's the thing, like, it's not a foolproof system. Nothing is. So the success or, 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 or what have you of the picks, like her record or whatever you want to call it, doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't work. You know, people get fucking wrong picks all the time by using another system. So, like, that's not even relevant to me. Like, it's interesting to know. I, like, it's good stuff to take on board when you're talking about it. And it, it could also, like, the way I'm doing my sort of breakdowns and previews right now, I'm not picking a winner. And, and I feel like that's kind of similar to this because it, it just gives you, like, what could happen in the fight. And, uh, what she found by doing these guys' star charts is amazing. Even when it wasn't rising, like, oh, the stars favor this guy. Or so, like, she was still right in the in the analysis of it, which I think is really cool. So go give her a follow. The at, and I'm going to tell her I'm going to mispronounce the fuck out of this. It's Harry Nothratita. Nothratita. And I fucking, I Googled what that means, and I have no idea. I think it's probably a clever play on words, or at least I thought it was. And then I was like, Nothratita. It's like a, you know what? We got time. The three-hour podcasts are back, baby. I don't give a fuck. Here we go. No Thratita Fractured Forum. Oh, yeah. So it could be it could be Deutsch or Griechish, which I think mean it means it's Greek. And that's what, how they say they're... Um, this one says Whisperer. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of conflicting answers that now I remember this. So I have no idea what that means, but I love it. Um... For some reason, I thought Nothratita was like, like, like an innuendo or whatever. It was like saying a hairy. Anyway, I'm already getting canceled just by uh, trying to explain her name. Um, her question is: Assuming DC and Stipe really do retire next week, and after today's results of Lewis and Olenek, what are the likely matchups for uh, the the belt? Will we finally see an Ingunu champ? Uh, a lot to unpack there. First of all, I had not heard that Stipe was gonna retire if he wins um maybe someone can clarify that uh i hope he doesn't just because i i love stipe um if dc wins and he retires here's the thing this is gonna suck because like obviously you put stipe in there but he just lost like i just it would feel weird just for to throw someone in a tough off a loss it's happened plenty of times believe me I'm not saying it'd be uncharted territory, but I just I, I hate when they do it. Um, but the, the right matchup, in my opinion, I think regardless of the winner, because if DC wins, we, he's already said like vehemently, like I'm retiring. He wanted to retire last time, but he lost. He's just kind of trying to get the one back. If he wins, regardless, it's it's Stipe versus Ngannou, and 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 if Stipe wins, obviously it's still Stipe versus Ngannou. Like that's the one. And then honestly, I would like to see Derek Lewis fight the winner of that. I've said it time and time again. Lewis versus Ngannou had the potential to be an amazing fight, and it still has that potential. The first fight was 
a dud of all duds because it was a perfect storm. It was Agato coming off the steepy loss, and he was gun-shy, uh, shell-shocked, whatever you want to call it. Um, obviously, those are like um, very loaded words um, for, for, for people that um, have been through things that I, I don't claim to know about, so I don't want to uh, do that. But it, it, it's definitely... He was gun-shy. I, I think I can say that. Um, and then Derek Lewis had a bad back. We need that fight. We need... Two big-ass dudes who knock everything out that's in front of them to go at it and see which one falls. And I'm back in Derek Lewis if that fight happens. I know y'all love Nganu, and I love to hate whoever you love. So, no, I don't hate... Nganu's great. I just, when everyone's, like, on his nuts, I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Shit. I think I answered your question. Like, what are the likely matchups? Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, Curtis Blades is somewhere in there. Maybe it's going to be Lewis versus Blades for a number one contender fight. Um, I would kind of hate that because I feel like Curtis Blades is going to beat him. And then I I like, I don't like Curtis Blades' chance against um, either Stipe or Ngannou. Although, to be fair, Derek Lewis could probably knock the fuck out of Curtis Blades. So who am I to count Derek Lewis out? I just started the show by saying put some respect on his name. Fuck that, dude. All right, let's um, move into the Twitter forum. Got a great question to start things off from Eric Sama MMA at Eric Sama underscore MMA. He says, who do you see is next for Darren Stewart? Maybe Jeff Neal. And how does a DC win and retirement shape the landscape of the heavyweight division? Well, I kind of answered this already uh, as far as the second question. And then what's next for Darren Stewart, man? Um... Fuck, what if they make Darren Stewart versus Chris Weidman? That would be not good, but I, I could see that happening. Um, I could also see Darren Stewart versus Marvin Vittori happening. Um, you know what I wouldn't hate? Uh, this is kind of out of nowhere, but Darren Stewart versus John Phillips. Like, John Phillips just got fucking ragdolled and embarrassed by uh, Hamza Chimaev, and he wants a chance to redeem himself. Darren Stewart is that guy. I also, you know who I miss, and he hasn't he hasn't fought in a while because he was injured and in, in other circumstances. Julian Marquez, um, he choked the fuck out of Darren Stewart, and I think that caused Darren Stewart to work on uh, other assets of his game, and uh, assets aspects, whatever. I've heard it both ways. Uh, yeah, I would love to see that rematch for some reason. I don't know why. Like no one is calling for that, but me, but me, uh, I'm that guy because I'm ridiculous. Um, maybe Dar Darren Stewart versus Kevin Holland is not a bad fight. Hello, can we get some uh, can we get some answers on that? Uh, if Turbin Giles gets cleared, maybe Darren Stewart versus Turbin Giles. There's there's plenty of fights for him. Uh, I love I love watching the Dennis fight. Love that guy. Weird nickname, but not one of those that I take issue with. It's just kind of funny. Next question is from the homie Omnishwin. Um, Shout out to him for making the Fight Forecaster app. That's why I do my picks now. Um, so if, uh, well, no, see, I, I told Dash, I was like, you got to get this straight now. Like, I don't want to get my picks on the show anymore, but if anyone cares about that, I want you to be able to see them and not have to fucking ask me and take a both of our time. <laughs> not that I wouldn't answer. Um, I definitely will. But I'm doing my picks on the Fight Forecaster app from now on so you can see me. And I like it because you don't necessarily have to give a certain one. You pick the odds. So you can say, oh, the, like, I want to say it was, um, I think for the main event of this last week, I think I put 50% Lewis knocks him out, 50% Olenek subs him. 
And that's it, dude. I might, I may have given more Derek, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, I love it. His question is: If Cody wins against Javison, do you think he'll try to get back to 135 and try his hand at a title shot to become uh, a second-time champ? Is that the play? First of all, I'm pretty sure he definitely said that. I think he said like, "I'm going down to dump the line to get a belt and then come back up." I'm, someone told me that. I, I want to say it was Phil, and uh, usually Phil's right about things, like what people say. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. I think that is the play. Uh, I think I think it's a terrible play because first of all, I don't like his chances against Jefferson Figueiredo, um, and I'm worried. I'm like I'm worried for Cody, and uh, I said this before. I'm starting to turn the tide on Jefferson. I really did not like Figgy. Um, I'm also gonna try and not call him Figgy. I think that's part of the problem. Like people are like. I don't know, for some reason they're like so on his nuts. Um, and I just, it's hard for me to like a fighter that everyone loves. I don't know why, it just, it is what it is. Um, question for MMA, or from MMA Visual, at MMA Visual. It says, how much of a shot do you give Cody versus Figgy? So I kind of answered that a little bit. Um, although if I had to put a number on it, like sort of odds, I guess, like or, or percentage... I would give him a 50% chance. He could knock him out. He could definitely knock him out. Um, I just think Figgy's too fucking... Figgy, I stop saying that. Figueredo. I think Figueredo's too fucking crafty. And, like, little and fast. And Cody has, like, good hand speed and stuff. But especially, like, in the... Um, what's it called? The uh, I'm looking at him right now. The Rafael Sunsao fight. He was a bit more measured and not as explosive. And that was really good to see. But I don't, I don't know if that's the kind of... Cody that can beat Jefferson Figueiredo. Although Mark Henry, if he's sticking with Mark Henry, I fucking give him more chance. Like Mark Henry watches tape like a motherfucker. He obsesses over it. Uh, like DC was talking about it. DC's working with Mark Henry. I love that. Um, yeah, dude. Fucking A. He also says, who would win and how between Tito Ortiz and Dana if it went down like it was meant to and they boxed a six-rounder? I think it would have been close, closer than something Dana can box. Yeah, dude, this is one of those things where uh, if, you, if you haven't heard this story, you should um, look it up, That like Dana White versus Tito Ortiz boxing. They like squared off a few times. Like They were going to fight. Dana was Tito's manager. Um, Tito did not like the way he was favoring Chuck, things like that. There's been so much contention between them. Uh, and Dana actually was like, I heard him talk, tell us, I want to say it was on the fighter and the kid podcast. Um, he, he said he was training for it. Like they actually, it was signed. He would, he would spar like ranked heavyweights, um, for like a few hours a day. And, uh, and he would do it. Like Dana got into the fight game because he started training boxing as a kid. Like he wanted to be a boxer and then he realized he could, have more talent on the managerial side. So um, I do think it would be close. Uh, it's one of those things, like I said, Yair versus beat. Hate them both, want a KO. Don't care who, somebody get knocked out. Same thing. Tito Ortiz, Dana White, hate them both. Somebody can get knocked out, I don't care who. Praying for a double KO, but those are a unicorn. Um, yeah, honestly, I just want them to beat the fuck out of each other. I still want that to fight to happen. This is not like... I mean, it still is like a pipe dream and like it would never happen and it wouldn't probably would have some difficulty getting sanctioned, especially with Dana having Meneers. But fuck, bro, like, do it in a parking lot. You want Zufa Boxing to take off? You got to get in there, bro. 
me talking to Dana White. I'm going to get in there, bro. It was so stupid. All right, this next question is from a man, Joe Bloggs, at JoeBlog74. He says, with Cody getting the next shot out of nowhere, does this mean the flyweight division is dead? If Figgy wins, do you think he should get an automatic shot at Bantamweight? Fuck, dude. Here's the thing. Like, I'll try the title of Bantamweight, he's saying. Um, dude... I don't think so. I think they really think that uh, Jefferson Figueredo is marketable. And I think that um, either way, they want to market Cody. So so they really are putting their eggs in both baskets. They probably are going to promote Cody more because be like, Cody speaks English. Um, and that's – it is what it is. Um, and, and, and Jameson Figueredo has a manager in Valid Ishmael who doesn't give a direct translation of what he says. He will change it and spin the narrative to whatever he wants to say, which is like, you know, it's fine. Like you're going to get some exciting, maybe some, some beef started, but this isn't necessarily what Jameson is leading with. So like Fernanda and I talked about this when she was on my show, I was like, uh, that didn't sound like what he said to me from what little Portuguese I know. She was like, yeah, you're right. So I don't know. But yeah, if if they do uh, get rid of the flyweight division, which I definitely don't think they will, especially they want more title fights on these cards, um, and it just like it's a business decision to keep it around at this point. Uh, I, I think he would get a uh, a title shot at bantamweight, like Jan versus Figueiredo. That doesn't sell. Are you kidding me? I kind of want that to happen now. I don't want that to happen. But I do think, and I, I saw someone say this. Um, they were like, if 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 Figueredo thought he would have success at bantamweight, he would do it. There's a reason why he's cutting all this weight. And I'm like, yeah, you're fucking right. Like, he's smaller than those big ass guys. 135. I feel like 135ers cut the most weight. Like they, you know, 10 years ago in the UFC would have been fighting a featherweight, and some of them even did. Um, it's interesting. Next question is from Brat MMA at Brat MMA. Love this chick. Go give her a follow. Uh, says Benil Darius is on a nice streak and is a really fun fighter. What do you think is next for him, and how high do you think his ceiling is? Uh, so I answered. A, I gave a bunch of options. Obviously, you know that. But the how high do you think his ceiling is? Like that's an interesting talking point because um, like I said before he's he's a jiu-jitsu black belt. Um, he wasn't like some jiu-jitsu black belts in MMA. They just train jiu-jitsu for. They just I gotta stop speaking so fast. They just trained jiu-jitsu for MMA. Uh, Benil, Benil, I believe, was, you know, competing on the, on the jiu-jitsu scene before he got an MMA. Um, it's tough because 155 is such a murderer's row. Like, do I think he can compete with some of the top guys? Yeah, but he might f- fall to them. And as far as, like, if for some reason uh Someone pulls out in Habib versus Gaethje and everyone else in front of him, like literally everyone else is unavailable and they call Benil like, hey, Benil, do you want to fight for the title? Obviously, he's going to say yes. I don't think he would win, but he would make it a fun fight. He's one of those guys that uh, he's going to be in an exciting fight no matter what. So, uh, yeah. that It's hard to quantify like how high his ceiling is. But, you know, it's that high. It's fun fights and can compete with the top 15 but can't necessarily beat them all, if that answers your question. Um, Love that. All right, the next question is from my man Shane Tara, making his uh, long-awaited return to the forum. 
Um, Blades versus Lewis. Break it down. Plocks. P-L-O-X. I don't know if that's a typo and he meant please. If that's not, I would really like to know what the fuck that means. <laughs> um, Blades versus Lewis. Break it down. Plocks. Look, um, I kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, it's clear that all Curtis wants to do is wrestle. Um, in all of his fights, that's what he does. He's sort of like a heavyweight Khabib in that regard. I mean, Khabib will strike with you a little bit longer than Curtis does. Curtis pretty much just goes right to the wrestling. Um, I have a feeling if it, if it goes Blades' way, it might be similar to Blades versus JDS, where he's just like wrestle, wrestle, wrestle until the hands drop and it sets up uh, a knockout. Although Derek Lewis has a fucking incredible chin, by the way. Um, we don't need to talk about his chin because he's usually doling out shots, but he can take him as well. Um, otherwise, I think if that doesn't happen, I think it's I think it's Derek Lewis all, all day. I mean, obviously, that like I said, that that's what Curtis is going to try and do. But Derek Lewis has such underrated grappling, and and it's not like it's not fair to say um, he can hang with like a really good wrestler. I mean, Olenek couldn't submit him, right? I mean, that that's relevant. But Curtis Blaze is just going to take him down, lay on him, and, and land a few shots, try and get a TKO from ground and pound. If that, Derek Lewis is explosive as fuck. Um, only thing I could see, if, it, if it's a main event, and both those guys are main event fighters, for the most part, I mean, Curtis is headlined, I think, his last two fights. Uh, you know, I think it could be, I think it could be a Curtis, that, that, that would be in his favor because of the cardio. Now, um, Derek Lewis has been working on it, so... I don't know. The, the more I think about it, the more I think this is the fight to make. Um, I, I, I really do. I, I think this is the fight to make. Uh, Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis. Um, Derek kind of called him on the press conference a little bit. I saw Curtis Blades tweeting about it. Um, as far as who I want to win, I want Derek Lewis to knock Curtis Blades the fuck out. Uh, but that, yeah, but you know, I love Curtis Blades. Uh, I was making fun of everybody for fucking shitting on his performance on Volkov. I was like, if you don't like wrestling, don't fucking watch MMA. But, you know, troll's gonna troll. Um, the second part of his question, he says, what's your favorite submission from the Apex Center so far in 2020? Uh, let's see, there's, there's been a few. Um, I don't know, Gavin Tucker's rear naked choke last night against Justin James was just really... Really nice. Um, I don't know that I, I would have a favorite from the Apex Center um, beyond that. Uh, I love Gavin Tucker. Yeah. Next question is from... <laughs> I love this name. Amazing. Uh, at uniquely me underscore JLD. Sup, Janice? Says, who do you think wins, Lewis versus Blades? I gotta go with Blades Wrestling. Okay, so this is pretty much the same, well, similar question to, to Shane, at least in how I would, would answer it. Um, you're certainly right. I think Blades would probably be the favorite in that. Uh, I mean, sometimes the odds makers are really fucking wacky, so who knows? But I, I like Derek Lewis for the upset. Um, just because 
He's only ever been submitted by DC. DC's a more, much more phenomenal uh, wrestler than Curtis Blades is. And he actually works on his jiu-jitsu. He might be a black belt at this point or maybe just a brown belt. Uh, I don't know what belt Curtis is. P- blue, purple, maybe. Um, definitely not on DC's level in terms of the submission. Um, like if you just, if you see videos of, of DC, like just like rolling jujitsu, uh, he looks good. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I like Derek Lewis. I like Derek Lewis in that. But thank you for your question. All right. Next question comes from a man, trance LFC at LFC trance. Uh, one of the greatest guys I've met here, uh, really one of my day one supporters, got to show some love to this guy. Everyone go give him a follow. He says, what's next for uh, Weidman? Is it Rockhold, Romero, or Reyes, or someone else? Um, I don't want to see the Romero-Reyes rematches at all. Uh, I really don't. Um, there was a time when Weidman versus Cannoneer interested me. That time is past. <laughs> um I like Smokey J's idea of fighting Rockhold again in a rematch, either at 205 or heavyweight. Um, yeah, I, I, I do like that. I don't know why. I think it's just because it doesn't take up, uh, it doesn't hold the division, doesn't take up place in any, any rankings. Um, they're not giving any fights that they don't deserve. Um, we were That rematch was scheduled. We were supposed to see it. There's the history there. They can play so many different, uh, you know, the, the packages, the, the B-roll, the promotional material for the video, that's all there. So uh, I the more I think about it, the more I'm liking it, actually. I don't think it'll happen, but, you know, it is what it is. Great question, my man. So this question from Harry Andrew at HarryAndrew94. Uh, he says, sorry if this one has already been done, but how did you become an MMA fan, Juice? I stumbled across this sport on the internet while, while I was at college and struggled with insomnia. I think it was August, and it was Lesnar versus Uberim. I was hooked. Uh, I love that story. I love the story of just being um, uh, up late at night with insomnia and stumbling across MMA on the internet. That just that's that's really funny to me. It was actually a few different ways. So I I, I have told on the story before, uh, or had I have told this story on the podcast before, but I don't mind saying it again. Um, my first introduction to MMA was Bully Beatdown. Um, I was bullied as a kid. Hate bullies. They're fucking cowards and pieces of shit. And seeing those bullies get beat the fuck up by. Uh, legit MMA fighters brought so much joy to my life. You have no idea. Uh, it was so, so good. And, and I know there are actors, but at the same time, the sentiment was there. Like, even if you watch a movie, obviously, you know, they're actors. Sometimes when someone gets like, like someone, it's an asshole and they get fucked up. You're like, yeah, fuck him. He was an asshole anyway. Like that's kind of what I was feeling. It also made me a fan of like a fight, like anyone that's fought on, um, bully beat down. I always give them an extra, um, push like um bobby green made this fucking guy quit uh, on the show it was so funny like usually they they go through it and uh, the fighters don't go as hard or at least they're like control because they know it's someone without training uh but they also want to make it look good and make it exciting bobby green fucking slammed the fuck out of this guy in the grappling like they they would do it in two rounds where it was like five minutes of grappling five minutes of kickboxing that way it's not make because otherwise they would just take him down and fucking beat the shit out of him like tko ground and pound um 
You know what I mean? So they would they would separate it, and Bobby Green slammed this dude, and it was like this. It was this. It was this white guy, who was. I think he was, the character. Obviously, like I said, they're actors. Like he was trying to be like this rapper, and and he had dropped a diss track or something like that, and Bobby Green slammed him so hard it was amazing, and he, they go to the. Um, the kickboxing round, and the ref was always Big John. It was always Big John McCarthy, and he was like, are you ready? He was like, no, man, that guy's a weapon. <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, bye. Oh, my God. And this one time, the fucking, the bully was like, because uh, the host the host of the show was Mayhem Miller, and the other time, this guy was like, after I beat this MMA fighter, I'll come for you, Mayhem, and he was just kept talking shit on Mayhem, and they happened to be the same weight, because they are always matched up by, by weight, obviously. Um... Not not like weight class, but like walk around weight. They would they would you know the same size people, and fucking mayhem was his size, and he was like, I'm beating the piss out of this dude. And mayhem just toyed with him. It was amazing. <laughs> so I I loved it, but I never like was fully invested in it. And I and I remember in college, um, the the Brock Lesnar versus uh, Randy Couture fight was happening, and. Someone was like, you got to watch this. Brock Lesnar beat the brakes off Randy Couture. And I was like, no. Because when I knew Randy Couture was like uh, a legend in the sport. And I was like, no, 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 no. Brock Lesnar, the, re- the, ver- the wrestler? No, 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 no. Um, and then I still didn't get fully invested until Conor McGregor made his run. And I and I know there's a bunch of MMA Twitter likes to shame Conor fans. And I have jumped ship on the Conor train. He is... Uh, Pretty much a deplorable human being in my eyes. Uh, I did see a tweet recently. Someone said that he finally got engaged to D, which is like cool. But there's also like videos of you sleeping with some crackhead. So I, I, I don't know. Plus all the sexual assault allegations, not cool. Um, a lot of things Connor does uh, recently piss me off. Like piss me the fuck off. It's like any wrestler, like literally any wrestler, is like trying to sniff the jockstrap. Like bro, could you be any more homophobic? And like. Connor has actually marched for LGBTQ rights and things like that and, and, and campaigned for that. So he clearly is uh, an ally in that regard. But when it comes to, like, fighting, he's a fucking piece of shit in that regard. Like, oh, I'm trying to save the jockstrap, mate. Like, ugh, he fucking pisses me off so so hard. Um, but, yeah, someone showed me a clip of uh, the press conference for the, for the Jose Aldo fight, the second one that actually happened. Um... And he was like talking shit on Chad, Chad Mendez. He was talking shit on Cowboy. He was talking shit on everybody. And I was like, I gotta watch this dude fight because I know either, either he's gonna get knocked down and it's gonna be uh, amazing, or he's gonna back up what he said. And it, like, whenever someone backs up what they say, I I love it. I, I can't like doesn't matter life, MMA, whatever. I love it. So I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Um, and then obviously you guys know the story. He knocked Drew out on 13 seconds. I was in the bar with my buddy Leo, who's been on this podcast before. We were fucking, we went wild, and um, we decided that, like that was it. Like it's a bonding thing, like for us. Like we we both wanted to get into it because we were um, we watched the video at the same time, and uh, that was it, man. Like it, it was it was like a friendship thing. It was like me and him with our girls and my sister was there with her friend as well. It was just like all of our friends kind of at the bar witnessing this moment. The bar exploded. Like that was it. It's like our thing. So like he, te- he texted me after the fights last night. He was like, Derek Lewis might be my third favorite. Actually second favorite. <laughs> like <laughs> he loves Derek Lewis. Um, 
Yeah, dude. And then obviously, uh, oh, I don't, I don't know if I've, I've told this story. Um, so I got, um, I got fight pass for the, uh, Bisping Silva fight. Like that's, I, I kind of remember like making the transition to like, okay, then I'm going to like check out other fighters. And I really loved Bisping a lot. Um, like from the jump, and I think it was also because he was like, like I knew Anderson Silva was a legend and I had seen, um, some of his fights already at that point. Um, and Bisping was like saying, you know, you took steroids and all this other stuff. And I was like, hello, like my ears perked up. I was like, he fucking has the audacity to talk to him like that. And then like, I heard interviews with Bisping and he was like white, uh, not a white collar, obviously not a blue collar guy, more chill. Um, and just like a working man, the walk, uh, walk on talk with Ariel in the streets of London. And I was like, okay, dude, this is my guy. That's it. I'm, I'm getting fight pass right now. We're doing this Bisping versus Silva. And they put on still to this day, my favorite fight. I fucking love it. And that moment I was like, I am hooked, especially like in the, uh, in, in backstage as well, that fight Machida or sorry, Gegard Musasi was talking shit on Machida and he was like, I need to rematch Machida. He was greasing. He, I, he lift his ass, I had his back, and he, he said this whole wild thing. And I was like, I don't want to miss one fucking second of this, and I need to educate myself. From that moment, I binged, like, almost all the seasons of Tough. I went back and watched old fights. I would, I, That's when I got on Twitter as well. I started checking, like, uh, like what people are saying, like, old fights. Um, I love it. I love everything about it. So thank you for that question, Harry. Next question is from the homie Dean R at Dean Dog Three. I just actually, in between um, recording segments, I I uh, popped on the timeline, saw Dean tweet something about um, his uh, his grandkids narrowly avoiding a, a crash or something like that. Super super crazy. Um, so go check that out and, and well wishes to your family, Dean. That's that's insane. Um, he said, uh, "Will the heavyweight division?" Stuck in limbo. I think it would, will will it be stuck in limbo until both Steep A or DC retire? Any predictions? Huh. Uh, interesting question. I don't know if it'll be stuck in limbo. I mean, the belt has been kind of locked up in this trilogy with them for a few years, and and I I didn't even realize it until you asked it. Like they had the tough fight one year, uh, didn't rematch until a year later, and it's been a year since the last fight as well. So like. Two years now, we've been fucking uh, waiting for DC and Stipe, uh, it, it would seem. And uh, the as far as I'm concerned, like the division has kind of been moving on because like Ngannou needed to work his way back. Uh, Derek Lewis fought DC. Like DC did defend the title. Um, and then he now Derek's had to work his way back. So it hasn't been super stuck, stuck in limbo. But uh, if Stipe loses... And DC wins, vacates the title. It'll then be like probably, like I said, Stipe versus Ngannou for the vacant title. I would assume, or maybe. Uh, so yeah, I think a lot of questions are going to be answered with uh, with the, with the outcome of this fight, Dean. And I don't have them right now. I don't know what the questions will be or what those answers will be. Um, as far as my prediction, um, this is a tough fight for me to call, and and why I'm so glad I'm not really giving my predictions, uh, especially because. Stipe and DC, for some reason, even though they're both like some of the nicest guys in the sport, have for some reason had this rivalry that has become like, uh, you know, Whitaker Adesanya for some reason, where like 
like I, I tried to talk with some Stipe fans. They're like, no, no, you're Team DC. Like, you can't say anything nice about Stipe. Like, that's it. And, I, and it's made me like, fuck, dude. Like, why are you like this? Um, I like both guys. I, I don't want either to lose. I really don't. I, I want them to have a draw, to share the title, and both retire. That's it, dude. Well, no, I, I probably want Stipe to keep fighting. But, like, you know, just come on. Let's give them both belts. Give them each a belt, and that's it. Um... Last question is from the homie Shaylin. Uh, I love her name is Warhor Shaylin at Shaylin MMA. I keep thinking like her Avi is um, Winona Ryder, and I, I think that's in Beetlejuice. And her header is also Winona Ryder, and I don't know what movie. And if she listens to this, she'll be like, "How could you not know?" The? Like when my wife and I started dating, I've never seen the movie My Girl, and I also didn't see. Um, I think it's called That Was Then, This Is Now. That's her favorite movie. And she was like, you haven't seen this? You have to watch it. And she still to this day. Anytime anything gets brought up and I'm like, "You? oh, you haven't seen this? She'll be like, you haven't seen my girl? Like, you know what I mean? Um, her question says, Chris Weidman, should we go on or nah? Because I say nah. I love it's super uh, succinct and to the point. Yeah, like where I'm at with Chris Weidman, I want to either, I want him to prove he's not done yet in another fight or I want to like, if he still wants to keep fighting, I want him to be given like favorable matchups. Like that's how I feel about Chris Weidman. Um, I know he's a bit problematic sometimes. Like I saw Alex tweeting that he had posted some anti-vax stuff and I was like, ah, oh, you don't want to hear that dude. Um, but uh, yeah, especially for someone with kids, like it's usually people with kids that are like, that's fine if you want to be anti-vax, but I'm, I'm pro-vax for my kids. Um, so that's, that's, that's really weird. Uh, yeah, dude. I say nah in terms of him getting knocked out. Like if it's a if it's a matchup where I think he's gonna get knocked out, I just want to like not watch it and just wait for the results. And if he makes that, I was like, okay, cool. Then I get to rewatch it. Like that's kind of where I'm at with Wyman. Like I, if it's like he must be protected at all costs. <laughs> uh, and that, boys and girls, concludes the forum. So uh, with that said, let me. Uh, let me break down this next week's card. UFC 252 is going down next weekend at the Apex, unfortunately. I say unfortunately because, A, I want to change the scenery. Like, like God bless it, it's a pay-per-view and not UFC on Vegas 7. I mean, Jesus. When you have to start numbering consecutive Fight Night cards, like, fucking do something else. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh... Super excited for these fights. I wish... The, the other reason I, as I wish it wasn't in the Apex is because I want the fucking uh, title fight to have a bigger cage. Um, some of these fights, I'm glad that there's a smaller cage. So it's a give and take, you know. Like I said before, the small cage is life. But uh, I think title fights, they need the, the full-size cage. My opinion. You know, and it's regardless of division, regardless of style matchup. It has nothing to do with the fact that the small cage favors wrestlers or... Whatever. You know, it is what it is. I want to uh, give an overview of the fights uh, to look forward to. Um, pretty much top to bottom, uh, this is a this is a really great card. I just have highlighted a few from the prelims, and then we're going to talk about the main card. Um, at present, the UFC needs to fucking fix their website because they don't even have the running order. They just listed all the fights. So I'm just supposed to assume, okay, the last five fights are on the main card. But um, either way, uh, let's get it started. Um, the first fight that really intrigues me is Felice Herrig versus uh, Virna Janjiroba. And 
Uh, Vienna is is nothing to to write home about. I would say, just in my personal opinion, having just seen a couple of her fights, she's tough as hell. Um, likes to likes to really make it a dog fight. Personally, uh, I don't know how that favors her against Felice Herrig, um, but the, because the other thing is. The, the most intriguing part of this fight to me is Felice because she's she's coming off a long layoff. And before that, uh, she was kind of in a, um, a spot where she was kind of winning half her fights, losing the other half. And um, I mean, that's how fucking fractions work, obviously. Um, but um, then she like she lost to Paige Van Zandt, etc. She then got with a nutritionist, I believe, or a doctor, maybe both. And they figured out she was um really like nutrient deficient and that she was like starving herself to make 115 which was not giving her any sort of like uh you know strength benefits or anything she was just eating like tuna and fucking drinking water and and whatever and i was like shit girl that's no way to fucking live are you kidding me um and then she got with a uh like a nutritionist or doctor like i said it might be a doctor that is also a nutritionist, or maybe it's both. Anyway, um, then she wanted a kind of a tear. Like, she, she beat Alexa Grasso. Like, she had a nice little stretch there. And then she got injured. So, um, Felice, before the layoff, was looking good. I don't know what where she's at. I don't know how fully healed she is. I don't know if she's been able to have a proper camp. I believe she uh, she lives and trains out of Chicago. Don't know what their situation is like, whether or not gyms are open. Like, there's so many variables uh, in a lot of these fights right now that it, it makes it interesting, but it also makes it confusing. You know, thank goodness I don't bid on fights. Um, respect anyone that does, especially the ones that do, but don't talk about it. Um, but I do uh, love all y'all. Yeah, really looking forward to that fight. I mean... Felice is one of those that I will always root for. It's because I really love her interviews. She was on American Ninja Warrior, which is something I think is really cool. Um, which those are like different from like you know Paige being on Dancing with the Stars. It's not like Living with Looks. It's like she was trying to represent like MMA. That was fucking awesome. Next one is, I think this is like a sleeper for Fight of the Night. But there's a few uh, possible matchups that could lead to a Fight of the Night. So it, it, you know who knows, but. Jim Miller versus Vince Pichel. Really like this fight. Vince Pichel uh, is an animal. That, that's the best way to describe his fighting style. He comes forward. Uh, he's He grinds on you as well. He's in your face, but he doesn't give a fuck. Like He beat the brakes off of Roosevelt Roberts. Um, and Roosevelt Roberts is someone I, I, uh, whose skills I, I really respect, and I, I look forward to seeing his development. But... Uh, Vince Pichel really was like, I'm not going to let this new guy make a stepping stone off of me, off of my name, make me into a stepping stone. That, that fucking, that sentence was like terrible grammar. I should say off the weeds. Anyway, Jim Miller, uh, obviously New Jersey guy. I'm living in New Jersey. It's my home right now for the foreseeable future. Uh, I always love watching Jim Miller fight. He's also just so like down to earth and he says some like, kind of things someone's made me turn my head like what but otherwise uh, i love watching him fight and i love that he got um he got over lyme disease uh or I, he maybe still be dealing with it but the fact that he kind of went through it and had some rough years there and kind of is now managing it and still fights at the highest level like that's fucking commendable i think i think he has the record right now for most fights in the ufc might be most wins might not be i'm not sure 
Um, but yeah, love Jim Miller. And, uh, you know, Jim is a jiu-jitsu black belt. And that's a big part of his game. But he also fucking comes to bang. Like, go watch the uh, Jim Miller versus Dustin Poirier fight. Fucking incredible. Yeah, this is a, this is a really tough for me to pick a winner. Like I said, not giving my picks. I do want to say, though, um, to start off, I, in between uh, recording, I was kind of checking out Combat Sports with Rhino. Uh, a lot of his picks are in line with mine, except for the main event. So we'll see. So if you want to know my picks, go listen to his, uh, except for the main event. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Rhino, <laughs> I sent a question to Rhino, and I was so high. And I, I literally couldn't even remember what I said. Usually I, I remember and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to hear what they said about my thing. I, I got to that point and I was like, what did I even say? And I was like, Rhino. So stoned. And at the end, Rhino goes, go listen to Juice. He talks about Hamilton a lot. So I'd be like, Hamilton and MMA, go check out his podcast. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I fucking talk about Hamilton a lot because it's the best. I was about to go off a little bit. I, I probably shouldn't. But, you know, so I'll never be satisfied. Okay, anyway, um, the next fight is Magomed Ankalaev versus Iwan Kutilaba. And I'm really looking forward to this fight. If you remember their last fight, um, I think it's both of their last fight on their on their record as uh as each other they fought and fucking iwan kutilaba was either actually rocked or pretending to be rocked claimed he was pretending we'll take it at face value for now uh because even when the ref stepped in he came back with a with a huge overhand kind of trying to get back in it like look he was like about to do the chicken dance and then planted and did a fucking overhand but like people do act like that when they're rocked so he could have actually just been rocked and recovered quickly and was like hey man what the fuck um either way it was highly protested he flipped his shit and i was like bro play stupid games win stupid prizes and i was a i was a big iwan kutalaba fan um and uh I start off knowing who, you know, Magomed Ankalaev was by uh, uh, him beating the shit out of Paul Craig for um, 14 minutes and 50 seconds. And in the last 10 seconds, fucking Paul Craig racked up a triangle and he tapped with one second left. So I always view that, uh, I always view Magomed through that lens. Um, That said, he did have a beautiful KO uh, where he knocked out, I want to say it was... It's like a it's a gentleman from Africa with a really hard name. It's like, don't, mm, no, I'm gonna get it wrong. Lambula, no, it's not even worth it. I'm gonna, I'm terribly gonna get it wrong, but um, that was amazing. And I think he's gonna do the same to Ewan. I'm not like I said, I'm not giving my pick. Um, like I said, that's I, that's what I think will happen, but. Iwan Kutalaba has been in there with, in my opinion, tougher competition. And uh, who knows what would have happened if that first fight had gone further. Uh, I think it lasted, what, 59 seconds? Uh, Iwan fucking 
was getting the better, or sorry, Magomed was getting the better of Eon for e even that just 59 seconds. And I forgot, the fucking fight almost didn't even happen because Ewan's bitch ass charged across the cage and got up in Magomed's face on the uh, introduction, the fighter introductions. Like, bro, it's not your time. You got right up in his face. And so, of course, Magomed grabs double unders and spins <laughs> him against the cage. Are you kidding me? Yeah, dude. Someone's about to get smashed. I think this fight um, ends in a stoppage. That's what I think. And moving on, we got John Dodson taking on Merab Dualishwili. I love Merab. In the words of uh, Fernando Praches, his interviews are goddamn delightful. And that is a direct quote. Um, I really miss her fight night previews. Why is the world so terrible that they had to take that away from us? Um, I also love John Dodson. Now, his hair is a bit of a problem recently, right? Like, his hairline is so far receded uh, it, it, like there's a recession on his head, right? Like it's a recession and he had decided to grow an Afro and, uh, you know, male pattern baldness is, is a real thing. And it's, uh, something that maybe even some of my listeners struggle with can't relate. I'm 30. I'm the youngest guy, you know, and, uh, I, I got fucking Jesus hair. Well, I used to, and I cut it off and now it's growing back. But you know, John Dodson, like, here's the thing. I've decided this, and I would have to maybe take, I would have to maybe cross that bridge when I come to it. If my hair ever gets to that point, I'm fucking shaving it right off, dude. Um, so, yeah, uh, can't relate. Uh, whatever I say, Justin, like advertising his uh, um, receding hairline, I'm like, why, bro? Why? Uh, like, why grow the afro to be like, hey, man, look at how much hair I don't have on my forehead. I don't know. That's, uh, wow, I really hope. John Dodson doesn't listen to this podcast. Because, um, you know, a lot of the fighters in the UFC do listen to my podcast, just so you know. Um, yeah, sometimes... See, this this podcast is a safe space, as far as I'm concerned. That's how I treat it. It, it allows me to say things that I wouldn't necessarily say. Am I going to say that on the timeline? Am, am I going to tweet John Dodson and be like, Hey, man, your hairline is fucked up. No, because I'm not a fucking anonymous account piece of shit. I'm a real dude with a real podcast, and I say real things. And that is a real thing. God, I'm about to get canceled. Okay, anyways, um, John Dodson is, like, super fast. It, to me, it looks like in his last few fights, he may be slowing down, but to me, he all, almost always has the speed advantage. You know, whatever way he competes in, um, he's been at 135 these past, uh, you know, several fights he kind of made the jump i think a couple years ago but he for a long time he was at 125 he's so little he's so little like if you if you go watch him on the ultimate fighter fighting tj dillashaw he just looks like so fucking like little mini I, I love it he's so cute um he also has like a really funny wife like there was this one video i think her name's shelly um i just like I, I love like mma wives like fire wives when they become a part of the conversation she made this video <laughs> where she was like taking selfies with all these fighters or at least they thought it was a selfie but she was recording um they're like let's take a selfie or not a selfie well i would say fucking selfie a picture it's only a selfie if it's you're taking yourself yourself uh she was taking a picture with these fighters like sage northcutt arlovsky uh i want to say like michelle watterson maybe like a bunch of different fighters and she would do that fucking thing that 
kids used to do in high school where they would point to something on your shirt as if you had like a stain or whatever and then like boop you on the nose like kind of drag up she did that to all these fucking fighters and i was like why do that <laughs> but it made me laugh so hard uh it was super super sweet so i always feel, feel bad for dodson um now that I'm, I'm saying that, I also remember he has the same uh, last name as one of my very good friends. So uh, I always want him to win in that regard. But I, but I also all, always want Marab to win. Like, this is a really hard fight for me uh, because uh, Marab is, again, goddamn delightful. And he goes in there and smashes people, dude. Like, he fucking... Uh, everyone loves Ricky Simone, and rightly so, because that dude is badass. But go back and watch their fight. Marab beat the shit out of him, and I was uh, basically cage-side for that. Uh, so I, I got a front row, well, not front row, first riser view of of that fight. And it was insane the way he fucking knocked himself out on the takedown. And uh, it got called the TKO by submission, which is so fucking weird. New Jersey Commission is so weird. Looking forward to this fight. Uh, Marab is going to wrestle the fuck out of him. John Dodson is uh, historically hard to take down. So wonder how that's going to go. Now I'm saying I think my, my favorite Dotson, even though if you look at where they're at in their careers, Marab has the momentum. Marab has uh, probably a better gas tank. Oh, I've never really seen Dotson fade. Uh, this is hard. This is a really tough fight. If Marab gets past Dotson, it's uh, greener pastures for him for sure. He's definitely moving and step up in competition. Uh, oh, another really good fight in this card that I didn't even know was a thing. Uh, all these fucking fights are just, they feel so cobbled together. I don't even check fight announcements anymore. JDS is fighting Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Biggie boy. Uh, man, I feel bad because I, I hyped up Rosenstrike so much in his, uh, uh, fight against Ngannou. And I think it's because everyone just fucking loves Ngannou and they forgot that he got wrestled into the ground by Stipe. And, uh, and then also put on a stinker against Derek Lewis. And Biggie Boy was knocking everyone the fuck out. And I was like, hey, man, uh, he could knock Francis out. Like, don't sleep on it. And what happened? Was it like 20 seconds? Like, Ngannou, like, disrespected the fuck out of him. Didn't give a fuck about what punches were coming his way. Just walked him down and knocked Jarzinho the fuck out. And I cried. Just kidding, I didn't cry. But I was, like, shocked. I was like, oh, my God, whoa. Um, and I kind of feel like... Jarzinho's power matched with the fact that JDS has been knocked out more times than I can count. Again, not being disrespectful, but more times than I can count. Uh, that would favor Jarzinho. However, Jarzinho's coming out, coming off of his own KO loss, so maybe he'll come out a little bit tentative. Uh, I don't know. This is a this is a really interesting matchup. Obviously, going to throw hands. Uh, Junior Santos has one of my favorite quotes. Um, <laughs> I think it was when he fought Ben Rothwell. He put on a clinic against Ben Rothwell, and he was like, "It's not wrestling. It's not jujitsu. It's boxing or whatever." And he was like, "Yeah," like, basically being like, "Fuck takedowns. We're here to bang. This is heavyweight." I was like, "Yeah, go get wrestled." Um, anyway, that's not gonna happen because neither of these boys wrestle. Even though Jesus is like, "I have a black belt in jujitsu," go back to, goes back to what I said earlier. Coaches in the UFC like to have their pupils uh, ranked high so they get more attention. I'm not saying that's the case of JDS, but I am saying it. Uh, <laughs> the co-main event is Sean O'Malley versus Chitovera. And I got to say, dude, 
I'm really conflicted again uh, about this fight. I'm really conflicted because I'm a Sean O'Malley fan. I've been drinking the Kool-Aid ever since he had his knockout on the Contender Series. I was like, this guy is going to be future champion. He's got the, the fucking antics to back it up. He's got the antics to, to, to get attention. He's got the skills to back it up. Uh, and he's just funny. And uh, some people like to clown on him. I also a big fan of the rainbow hair. Big fan of him being in an open relationship with his girl and not giving a fuck. Being, you know, secure in his masculinity to not give a fuck. And these trolls um, criticizing him for his relationship. Like, so funny. That makes me like him even more. Um, that being said, I have been a big Chito Vera fan since the dawn of time. And by that, I mean since I first saw him fight, which was against Brad Pickett, uh, who's in my top five, even though there's more than five in that top five, but a lot of them are tied. You know, you have to be fair, you know, to me to let me have more than five in my top five. Brad Pickett is in my top five. Don't ask me to name the other four, um, but he's in there. And, like I said, there was more than four. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, it was really Brad's retirement fight. Chito Vera was losing. Brad Pickett was, like, on his way to a perfect swan song, uh, riding off into the sunset, off a win in his hometown, got to walk out with his trilby hat and paper in the Reebok era when they were not letting people do that stuff. And the paper was signed by like a lot of different media members and like UFC staff and things like that. It was so sad because he was winning and it was like a fucking Cinderella story moment. Like, fuck yeah, dude. All of a sudden, Chito Vera hits him with a head kick and like flatlines him, lands a f f several ground and pound follow up shots. Um, and that was all she wrote. And I watched that in my car. Don't judge me. It was LA. So there was, I was like stop and go bumper to bumper traffic, basically not even moving at all. And, uh, I was also in an electric car, so wasn't worried at all. And I was watching on my phone and that fucking happened. And I go, no! just screamed at the top of my lungs, started crying. Uh, I love Brad Pickett so much. And, um, like just watch anything like watch. Him and his wife, they're so cute. His little son, Buddy. Oh my God, are you kidding me? It goes back to what I said about the Bisping Silver card um, being my the crux of like what started me being like a hardcore fan of MMA. Because in that post-fight press conference, Brad Pickett had uh, uh, an amazing fight with, I believe, Francisco Rivera. Won that fight. And the press conference, he's all emotional. He's like, I felt like I was fighting for my job. I felt like I was in there fighting for my job. And then he had like brought his newborn and showed to Dana and Dana was super happy and I was like oh he's so cute he's so cute I fucking love Brad Pickett and uh usually when people beat my favorite fighters I get super fucking like salty like fuck you um case in point Figueredo just happened uh also because he missed weight and acted like a fucking anyway that's not important uh Chito Vera gets on the mic and goes hey London slow down slow down Giving some respect to Brad. Giving some respect to Brad. He's a legend of the sport. I was 17 years old watching him fight in Mighty Mouse. The pound for pound best in the world. And he starts going off on like how great Brad is. Doesn't say anything about his own performance. Just says, hey, give it up for Brad. And like there's some people that like 
Like fucking Justin Willis when he beat Mark Hunt in Mark Hunt's final fight in the UFC, he was like, "Oh, this moment belongs to Mark," and like giving the mic. It's like whatever, dude. They probably were gonna uh, interview him anyway. Uh, like super, just whatever nonchalant about it. Cheeto Vera was like getting booed, I think, and he was just like, "Hey, hey, slow down, slow down. Your boy's a legend." And uh, for that, I will always love him. And then you find it about the story with his daughter. Uh, like not being able to smile until recently that she finally got the surgery. So cute. I love it. Um, Cheeto. <laughs> Cheeto might be my favorite bantamweight. Uh, I'm going to say that right now. Yeah. I feel like I said this about someone else recently, and uh, I was like, I don't think there's anyone else, unless I was Cheeto. Um, but if if not, I can't remember who that was. And if it wasn't Cheeto, then there's Cheeto. So anyway... Uh, Marlon, his first name doesn't get used a lot because he has a cool nickname. Marlon Chitovera uh, is going to come out and he's going to strike with Sean, Sean O'Malley. Now, Sean O'Malley fucking can put people to sleep. Uh, really, really underrated power for, for the lower weight classes. Cheeto can strike as well, though, and it's going to be tough. Cheeto, obviously, I think, in my opinion, has the ground advantage. Sean O'Malley, no slouch on the ground, recently competed in Quintet. But, uh,. Oh, man, this is going to be an amazing fight. I hope it goes a distance. Um, I really, I'm really looking forward to it. And now we have come to the main event, and I've been dreading this. I've been dreading this. Um, I feel like I'm not going to like the the state of the time, the timeline, um, no matter the result of this fight. Um, there are, are, are a handful of Stipe fans who think DC is a dirty fighter. Um, they think the eye poke in the first fight um, changed, like, caused the KO, think DC did it on purpose. Uh, they said uh, he, he got his fat fingers in my boy's eye. I mean, get out of here. Um, that said, actually, I haven't feel like, I feel like, DC fans have not been shitting on Stipe. I think we give him credit. You know what it's like for me, dude? It's like dog people versus cat people. If you're a dog person, you're like, man, fuck cats. Cats murdered my whole family. And then if you're a cat person, you're like, yeah, dogs are cool. I just like cats better. Um, that's how I feel like as a DC fan. Like, yeah, I like Stipe. I just like DC a little bit better. Um, obviously been a fan longer. Uh, and then Stipe fans are like, no. You gotta fucking draw a line in the sand. It's us or them. Like, whoa, dude. <laughs> like, calm the fuck down. Steve Bay rightly deserves the title of greatest heavyweight of all time. Uh, being that he broke the record, which they had years to establish. The, the heavyweight division is the oldest division in the company's history. Because it started out open weight, which is technically heavyweight. Um, they even have had, like, some super heavyweight fights, I think. Um, I don't know. Um, but also, uh, I think, I think it was initially just the heavyweight division when the divisions, or it might've been heavyweight and 205. And then they eventually added more, um, crazy, crazy. 
so yeah, the, the, the record prior to Stipe was no heavyweight champion had defended the title more than two times. And there have been a lot. And some people have met it. Some people turned it over, like you got the belt and then lost it. Like didn't even, you know, defend it once. They just had, had the belt and then lost it, you know? Um, but Stipe broke the mold. He fucking knocked Fabrice over Doom. Silly. He knocked over him. Silly. Um, he knocked JDS somewhat silly in the rematch uh, and then fucking grinded out a fucking nasty decision over Nganu. That fight gave me such like heart palpitations in that first round. I was so worried for him. I was like, Nganu has been fucking killing everybody. And then my heart's just pounding. I remember calling my, this, this fight happened when I had already moved to New Jersey. I remember calling my boy Leo right as soon as they announced the winner. I was like, Stipe's the GOAT. That's it. That's it. There's no fucking questions. Stipe's the GOAT. And he was like, yep, I agree. And uh, and then DC came along and beat him. Now when you beat the GOAT, you kind of have a, a little bit of a claim. So I do think the the marketing, um, I won't call it ploy, but the tagline that they've kind of thrown around, the, the, the story of this fight is like this fight is to determine who's the best heavyweight of all time. Because, you know, they're one and one. And uh, this is like a true rubber match, a true trilogy. We don't get very many in, in MMA. Um, there, there's a, there's plenty of fighters that fight um, more than twice, sometimes even more than three times, but it isn't always uh, like rightfully so. Like a true trilogy comes from, in my opinion, like a rubber, like a pure like when it's actually a rubber match when it's split one and one. Uh, yeah, I really don't want to pick a winner. Again, not giving my picks anyway, um, but uh, yeah, like I said, listen to Combat Sports of Rhino, I'm opposite of him, <laughs> um, but I'm worried, so I'm not in any way uh, thinking he's wrong or anything, I just uh, I just got differently, but uh, that's it, that's it for me. And now we've reached the end of our show. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. You guys make the show better each week. Uh, again, thank you for anyone who's gotten this far. Which reminds me, my wife has a question for anyone that's gotten this far. Do you prefer warm ketchup or cold ketchup? She prefers, well, at least room temperature or warm ketchup. Uh, me, I like it cold. Or not at all. Usually not at all. But if I'm going to have it, it's got to be cold. Because <laughs> um, i got to know it's fucking... Like, not gone bad. I want to know it's good ketchup. So, you know. Uh, anyways, uh, much love to everybody. Like I said, be kinder on the timeline. Not just to me. I mean, you know, give a fuck about me. But just in general, like I see so much cattiness and subtweeting and fucking drama. Not, uh, not what I want to see. So, much love to everybody. Be nicer. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. You can uh, send an email to the podcast at fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. You can also... Oh, my merch. <laughs> if you want Fighting With Myself merch, you can go to redbubble.com slash people slash fwmpod slash shop. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, good night and good fights.